You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Wednesday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and I've got Tom Peavy and Cam Berry with me here this afternoon. Going to be a very fun show today. We're going to do a little bit of everything as at 4.30 we'll have Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer on to talk Auburn and the NCAA tournament. Also talk a little spring football as that is continuing on. We count down towards A-Day, about three weeks and change until the A-Day game. So we'll see if Ferg has some news and notes from Auburn spring practice for us. And again, uh, NCAA tournament coming up tomorrow for Auburn in Birmingham. We'll also talk again about the NCAA tournament as large, a little bit about our brackets as this is the last uh, show before they get going they'll be halfway through play or so uh, tomorrow by the time we're on the airwaves so we'll start to go over the bracket what intrigues us that will be in the first half of the show and then again in the second half of the show justin ferguson at 4 30 and just after five o'clock it is a wednesday so it can be called a wacky wednesday but it will be town name tuesday on this wacky wednesday uh, as we go through the uh, the Towns Brooks Childress will be on with us. Uh, I'm still not revealing the state uh, or the two states involved. Uh, the hint, again, is, is that it is NCAA tournament related. And so uh, we will have that just after 5 o'clock today. Very excited to bring that back. Uh, a fun segment that J.J. Jackson created. And we will continue that on uh, today on in the third hour of the show. So very excited about today. Again, as always, birthdays and sports and nightly TV guide and your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free one 9 tiger 9 Also a crazy Auburn baseball game last night. A lot yeah, to man. talk about on the show today. Again, Ryan, Tom, and Cam. We'll start with you today. Cam, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Uh, first time back on the show. Enjoyed going to Nashville and, and covering the um, SEC tournament. That was an awesome experience, and I'm glad I was able to do it. Uh, met some really cool people, Paul, um, Paul Feinbaum and um, – uh, Damian Fishback, Pat Bradley, all those cool guys covering SEC basketball and all that. Um, and, yeah, crazy game for baseball last night. Um, Auburn coming back from down seven runs to be able to end up uh, winning on a walk-off uh, in walk-off fashion. Uh, I think it was in 12 innings, if I remember correctly, or yeah. 11 innings. 12. 12. Um, and so that that's awesome. Glad to get a win and, excuse me, against like a team like Georgia Tech, um, who has plenty of talent, and that's kind of a small little interesting rivalry that, that Auburn's kind of created. And, um, yeah, and, and excited to talk about some uh, Auburn basketball as they face against Iowa um, and kind of 
you know, hash that out, stylistic play, different things like that. So it'll be it'll be interesting, but I'm doing great. Tom PV also on the show. Tom, we'll have a little bit more of a complete show today for you. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, good to see you here today, sir. Good to see you. Yeah, a little bit better than the uh, five minutes I was able to jump on yesterday. But, um, yeah, a lot to talk about. And yeah, big baseball game last night. Uh, Auburn found themselves down 12-4 to 4, uh, at one point in that game and were able to come back and, and win. 11-4, yeah. They won 12-11. to 11. Oh, that's right, 11-4. Yeah. to 4. My, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, big comeback. I, I thought when I when I saw that score, I was like, mm, "Well, Auburn's just going to be struggling. We're going to come on here and talk about the woe is me with the baseball team and losing three straight." But they kept fighting and rallied back and won it. So uh, good stuff there. Um, getting ready to preview some of this NCA stuff. Uh, you know, everybody's got the brackets hopefully in by now. Tournament time. So uh, yeah, it is tournament time. Yeah, uh, and ready for some town name wacky Wednesday. <laughs> absolutely, uh, yeah. I saw that uh, Auburn baseball game last night. Uh, it, it, it certainly got off to a rough start. Uh, first few pitchers on for Auburn got nailed, and then of course you know Auburn battles back. I think they tied at eleven in either the sixth or the seventh inning. And so naturally, what do you expect in an 11-11 game in the seventh? <laughs> you then no one scores for like five innings. Yep. Uh, the way that Auburn won was a little interesting to me because they had that runner on second, got a base hit through the right side, and Georgia Tech cut off the throw. They had I, – I don't think that they uh, – They not realize. I, I don't think they realized the runner was coming home or if they even cared at that point. But uh, if you if you watch that replay, Georgia Tech never actually threw the plate, the, the second baseman or whoever cut that throw off uh, on the dirt. So uh, they were ready to get out of there, it appeared. Uh, and uh, Auburn will take that win before they go and play a big series in Fayetteville, Arkansas, against the number 7 Razorbacks Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And that one, so good for Auburn baseball last night. We also had last night the beginning of the NCAA tournament. The first four started last night. Texas A&M Corpus Christi versus Southeastern Missouri State, or Southeast Missouri State, I should say, uh, in the 16-16 game, the winner playing Alabama. And then the 11-11 uh, the truly last four in teams, uh, beginning with Pittsburgh and Mississippi State. Both those games were very close. Obviously, want to focus on the Pittsburgh-Mississippi State game. 60-59, to Pittsburgh wins a low-scoring affair. Uh, not too surprising when you involve Mississippi State. They are usually in lower-scoring games, but a heartbreaking way for the Bulldogs to go out last night in the first four. Yeah, had a guy in the corner absolutely just naked wide open. And just couldn't hit the corner three. Uh, kind of been the story of their season, honestly. They they were dead last in um, three-point percentage in shooting, uh, Mississippi State was. And so that right there kind of is a telltale of how their season has been going. Um, completely wide open, last chance to win the game, and, and can't hit the three. So definitely tough. Hate that for Mississippi State. Um, would have liked to have just seen them get in, just get to, to get the SEC one more team in there and, and – um, actually be competing in the in the field of 64. Uh, I, I find it weird that they were an 11 seed. I don't really understand how all that works, the 16 and the 11 and how they play in and, and all of that. It, it's definitely interesting, and it kind of is complicated in my in my mind. I'm not so sure. So the, the, the best way to explain it is if all teams were pulled together, right, uh, 1 through 68, this is how they would rank one through sixty-eight mm. because eleven seeds would be 
teams 41 through 44 in mm-hmm. the tournament because 10 times 4 would be 40, so 11 right, be right. 41 through 44. So right. these are the 41st through 44th best teams in the tournament. The Some of the AQs obviously are teams that would not ever get in at large. Right. Uh, like with, again, I, and there's a few of them that I love, and maybe there would be merit to some of them being in. But for example, like Furman as a 13 seed. Right. Furman wouldn't have been in the NCAA tournament at large. They wouldn't right. have been no, deemed there. So, chance. so, and, you know, teams like UC Santa Barbara, and then obviously what we saw last night, Texas A&M, Corpus, Corpus Christi, Christi, and Southeast Missouri State. So teams like that, they still tried to seed them. Right. As okay, out of these sixty-eight, how would we rank them? And okay. so that's why, uh, you know, the, the last four in usually shakes out around that eleven line, yeah. uh, or maybe tw- I think it's happened as twelve before, but eleven or twelve is where they shake out. So that's where the last four in qualify, and then they've always done, you know, even when the ter- the field used to be, we said it was sixty-four, but it kind of functioned like sixty-five because there was always that sixteen-sixteen play in. Right. And so, you know, those were technically the absolute two worst teams to make the tournament. That's why they have to play. And they kept that part of it when they said, okay, well, we're going to highlight the last four teams in the tournament, but we also want to highlight the four teams that, you know, really needed the automatic qualifier to be here. And there's some debate on if that is a good thing or bad thing. Some people are of the opinion that they're automatic qualifiers. They shouldn't I, have to play. I think so as well. They shouldn't that's, have to play in the play That's kind of my opinion is. So my contest to that is some of those smaller schoolers probably appreciate the limelight of being singled out like that. They probably appreciate the opportunity to beat someone in the tournament rather than just going straight into the 116 get beat by 30, 40 points in most cases and be right out. They get to win a tournament game and they get more of a national spotlight uh, to be isolated like that as the only tournament game as opposed to, oh, I'm going to flip them off because they're down 25 to one seed Purdue and I'm going to watch the other game. So I think there's arguments in both ways, but I've certainly seen a lot of people recently talking about why isn't just the last eight teams in the tournament overall? So I think you could go either way with that. But that that's why the seeds work out like that and why the last four in function as 11 seeds or so because they're, they're between like the 40th, 44th best teams in the tournament, whereas obviously – these 16s are, are the very la- very worst, quote-unquote, teams to, to make the tournament. Gotcha. So, uh, Tom, were you able to catch any of that Mississippi State game last night? Yeah, I didn't catch. I saw the uh, highlights of it. But uh, I, I had picked I had picked Pitt to win that game um, No, for really no other reason than I just was not really sold on Mississippi State. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a close game right down to the wire. Um, Pitt pulls it off. We'll see what they can do after that. You know, sometimes you you do get momentum from playing in the first four. We've talked about UCLA a couple of years ago, went yeah. to the final four out of there. Syracuse with Jim Beheim, one of the first years it happened, either went to either the Elite Eight or the final four. I forget which one. And you've you've seen that before. Eleven six is not this overwhelming favorite that you'd think that right. that some other seeds are. I want to go through. Uh, CBS actually showed the rate in which these upsets happen. We'll go through that a little bit later. Uh, so that part of it was it, it is relevant to see if one of these teams can catch fire by getting that extra game. The other thing that I noticed about that last sequence, 
I believe, if Auburn fans will remember, so Auburn played New Mexico State when Chris Jans was at New Mexico State. That was a game oh that Auburn gosh. had to scratch and claw to survive. The exact same play. That was the same play yep. at the end, I believe, that got a wide-open jump shot, just missed it. <clears throat> and even State got a good look at a tip try, too, that, that yep. did not go down for them either. So Jans has run that uh, out-of-bounds play before. Uh, and had the exact same result, a very open look that just did not go in. Uh, so pretty pretty big heartbreak there for Mississippi State. We've not had a buzzer-beating uh, shot since the Jalen Suggs uh, Final Four oh shot two gosh, years ago. So, yeah. la- so not like that's a long period of time. It's just one full NCAA tournament without a buzzer-beater. Uh, but that is you – know, obviously that's a part of March is, is having that last-second uh, shot – and so that's not happened since two tournaments ago in that Final Four against Jalen Suggs. We almost had that uh, last night between Mississippi State and Pittsburgh. We're going to go ahead and take our first time out of the show when we come back, birthdays and sports, and we'll take a look at our brackets, uh, some of our maybe Cinderella's or big upsets or teams that we're really confident in. We'll talk a little bit about those. Coming up in just a moment, you're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call. To join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back to Sports Call on this Wednesday. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry here on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. Little chilly, not horrible. Just a tad chilly. Feels good out. In the, in the 60s with sun, uh, I think that's a, that's, that's a sweet spot. However, oh, you yeah. know if you've got 60s on a March day at 2 and 3 o'clock, you know it's going to get kind of cold, cold at 9 or 10 o'clock, and uh, that will be happening again tonight. We'll start to warm up, and then we'll have rain again, and then we'll cool back down again. That's how the spring weather works. So, Gotta love it. Uh, but be a couple beautiful days here uh, today and tomorrow. Also, just appreciating the fact that uh, we get done with the show now, and it's still some daylight outside. That is, yes. That just makes it puts me in a better mood. I don't True. know about you guys. Absolutely. Let's get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Birthdays in Sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gage Street in Auburn, the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Good list of birthdays again today. Yesterday was a great list. Today we got Mike Tomlin who turns 51, head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Began his coaching career at the college levels with stops at VMI, Arkansas State, and Cincinnati. Came to the NFL as a defensive backs coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which also included a Super Bowl victory in his tenure. 
and the defensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. As Steelers coach, Tomlin has led them to two Super Bowl appearances, including a Super Bowl victory. He was named the 2008 Motorola NFL Coach of the Year, 10 playoff appearances, seven AFC North Division titles, currently holds the NFL record for most consecutive non-losing seasons to begin his coaching career Mike Tomlin nice. turns six, or Mike Tomlin turns fifty-one today. I like him. I like Mike Tomlin a lot. He's been good for a long time. Really, for real. Clay Matthews Jr. turns sixty-seven. This is the linebacker, twelfth overall in the nineteen seventy-eight draft. He's the father of the Clay Matthews we are more familiar with from this generation. Uh, drafted by the Cleveland Browns out of USC, played sixteen seasons for the Browns, as well as three seasons with the Atlanta Falcons. Four-time Pro Bowler, nineteen eighty-three NFL forced fumbles leader. 1984 second team all pro member of the cleveland browns legends and ring of honor brother of hall of fame offensive lineman bruce matthews and father of all pro linebacker and super bowl champion clay matthews the third clay matthews jr turns 67 today harold baines turns 64 designated hitter right fielder first overall pick the chicago white Sox in the 1977 mlb draft out of high school Baines also played for the Texas Rangers, Oakland A's, Baltimore Orioles, and Cleveland Indians in his 2022-year career. It was not a 2022-year career, or else we'd have our questions. Baines would become manager of the White Sox for 12 seasons from 2004 to 2015. Six-time All-Star, 1989 Silver Slugger Award winner, 2005 World Series champion. His number three is retired by the White Sox member of the Baltimore Orioles Hall of Fame and 2019 Baseball Hall of Fame inductee. Harold Baines turns 64 today. And Lewis Riddick turns 54, current ESPN analyst, former NFL player and executive. Ninth round selection to the 49ers out of Pittsburgh as a safety. Also played for the Falcons, Browns, and Raiders. Post-playing career, Riddick worked as a scout and director of pro personnel for the Washington Redskins and Philadelphia Eagles. In 2013, he joined ESPN as a front office analyst and has since become an announcer for NFL and college football broadcasts. Lewis Riddick turns 54 today. Also like Lewis Riddick a lot. Wanted him to be the GM before Terry Fontenot, but Terry Fontenot's doing a great job, so no, nothing no problems him, now. Yeah, yeah, no problems, but I like Lewis Riddick a lot. Lewis Riddick turns 54, Harold Baines 64, Clay Matthews Jr. 67, Mike Tomlin 51, and those are the birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Yesterday we had uh, Tim Sin's birthday. Uh, on the call, uh, Brooks was last week. There are a lot of birthdays in the month of March, it feels like. Uh, so we wish everyone this entire month and today a very happy birthday. All right, let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the show today. Ward Damn Steve. Retire Ward Damn Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Well, much better, guys, after getting some well-needed sleep after the 12th inning comeback for our guys. I say war damn eagle to that one. Yes, that was a that was a late one and a long one. And uh, I think maybe I counted 30 people were left remaining uh, in their seats. <laughs> yeah, there were well, I, I can tell you who was there uh, was uh, our, our buddy uh, Plainsman Parking Lot because I saw a video of his whole crew, and they were slinging drinks like – uh, spraying drinks everywhere at the end of that one. So, yeah, they were all up there still having a good time. Yeah, you'd have to be. And uh, I'll be candid with you guys. You know, it was 7 to nothing, and I said, okay, this is going to really be ugly. So I just turned it off. And then I said, well, let fair. me see how bad it got, you know. And I went to the, uh, I think it was the sixth inning, and gee, my knee. I said, are you serious? Uh, and that, I think it was at that point, was it 11 to 7, 11 to 6, wasn't it? Yeah, to start that inning, I believe so. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then they tied it up. And then I thought we were going to lose it in the top of the 12th inning uh, with some of their uh, biggest hitters all got on base. I said, oh, it's, you know, we're going to you know, tear our hearts out again. But they came through. And who was it? Uh, I guess this was a, obviously a coaching decision, right? They pulled Hall out to put in a pinch hitter. Right. And I forgot the gentleman's name. Uh, he He's a transfer, right? Or is he a freshman? I'll have to double-check exactly um, uh, who that was, honestly. I, I was watching on uh, on mute, uh, or on mute, on mute, easy for me to say. Uh, Wortham, I, do you know? I That's think, right, yeah. Yeah, Wortham, I think, is who had the walk-off hit, yeah. And I think he is a transfer, right, from Kent State? Uh, not sure. Okay, but anyway, uh, that was a tremendous uh, uh, comeback, I mean, they were just hitting us left and right. I said, well, we can't even score any runs. You know, that's why I I just said, I'll just, you know, see what the sound was. But then I said, okay, let me go turn it on and see what happens. Well, uh, so, guys, um, even without some of our best starters, you know, being able to play, uh, would you say this um, bodes well for um, our team's resiliency in upcoming uh, games? Well, sure. You know, Auburn Auburn has uh, already in this young season, you know, they've blown a big lead or two, and they've recovered from a big lead or a big deficit or two. I think what's clear is this Auburn team is going to be able to hit this year. You know, they're they're going to have to find the right pitching uh, formula for when they get in the conference, which starts this week against Arkansas. They really need Joseph Gonzalez to get healthy. Uh, he's only pitched once this year. It was a really good outing when he did pitch, and he was supposed to be the ace for the Tigers. So anytime you lose an ace – uh, and you you don't have him out there. That that moves everyone up a spot that that's not accustomed to being there. So that their key is going to be going to be really anything and everything to do with pitching. I, I do think this team will hit. I think they will battle, uh, but the, but they will need their arms to be healthy and, and and slotted well to beat some of these really good teams in the SEC. Well, I was encouraged that they uh, didn't give up. I mean, they could they could just you know mailed it in last night after being behind seven to nothing. Oh, I'll be sure. encouraged by that. Yeah. Uh, moving on, guys. So speaking about not mailing in, hopefully, uh, I see this quote, and I said, "Well, uh, I hope you guys do come out, you know, uh, uh, playing like this quote from Mr. Dylan Cardwell." He said uh, about the game tomorrow, "Just go out there and play like we're down 15 from the jump," referring to you know how Arkansas came out so hot against us. Yeah. So uh, I, I mean, I, I'm hoping that they just see this game, you know, they cannot get behind, uh, especially in offensive. Uh, I think their offensive juggernaut pretty much compared to the other teams we played. In fact, one of the players, uh, one of our players said that uh, this is the best offensive team that they uh, will be facing. Uh, is that fair to say that or, or not? I mean, Iowa's certainly up there. I'd probably say Bama's a little better offensive team uh, this year. But just by points per game, Iowa is 17th in the country in scoring at, at just over 80 a game. And, uh, we've talked about how many three-pointers they put up. The uh, interesting fact about their team is they've got, I think it's six guys that uh, that all shoot the three uh, a good deal. I don't, I don't want to get this stat wrong. So th- what's interesting is they, they don't have much difference in those in those six. So, no, it's uh, – yeah, it's – well, it's five guys that score ten points a game or more for them. And they all shoot between 33 and 35% from three. Mm. So none of them are incredible shooters, but none of them are bad shooters. 
And so there's five of them, and they all take them. So they they kind of take turns in who's hot and, and who's who's making those. Now their best players is still by far Chris Murray, who averages 20 a game. He's the the brother of Keegan Murray, who's in the NBA. So they so he can score multiple ways. But yeah, they have five or six guys that put them all all put them up, and they're all in the same range as far as a percentage. And Ryan, uh, sticking with that, I haven't seen this stat. Uh, you probably know it. But do you know how many you know three point attempts they typically average a game? Uh, I don't off the top of my head. I can look that up though. I'm sure it's a lot. Uh, I'm just wondering. I don't know if they took a lot or they're just very selective and, and don't have that many uh, three point shots. They but that they make it when they do take them. Okay. Uh, then I saw this troubling uh, uh, stat about Iowa, at least from our aspect, and it said uh, that apparently uh, Iowa, according to uh, Nathan King. Stats has only lost a rebounding battle seven times the entire season. Yeah, they fly to the glass. They they especially on the offensive glass. They really really hustle to get the offensive rebounds because they are um, a generally undersized team. So I think they they make up for that in hustle. And um, a lot of teams kind of seem to have underestimated that. So that's probably would chalk up to why they've only lost that so, battle only seven times. To answer your earlier question, Steve, they take the 98th most threes in the country. So so only, you know, top quarter, top third of the country in three-point attempts. Okay. So does that uh, lead me to think about their rebounding, uh, being aggressive, that uh, probably uh, will be a lot of good number of fouls be called against us? Could it be crashing? Um, I mean, it's if you're Auburn, you just kind of have to be smart in how you how you go after those rebounds. Um, I mean, I think it'll be kind of similar to how Arkansas played in the SEC tournament. Honestly, they were undersized as well. You obviously Auburn had the height advantage, but uh, Arkansas hustled to to get the boards, and that's how Auburn ended up being out rebounded by by eighteen. Yeah, yeah. You know, is this Cam? Yes, this is Cam. Yeah, I'm just you know concerned that you know we don't get. People like uh, Dylan Cardwell and Jani Broom uh, in offensive, uh, you know, self foul trouble, you know, in rebounding uh, attempts uh, early in the game. Yeah, I mean, can't really predict that. You just have to make, you just have to trust that they'll be smart with, you know, how they control their bodies and, and different things like that. And maybe the refs will, will, you know, you just never know. You, you can't really predict that, unfortunately. And it is interesting yeah. to – I want to piggyback off of Cam's point about rebounding to put the numbers behind what he's talking about. They're only the 223rd best defensive rebounding team in the country, but they are the 35th best offensive rebounding team in the country. So, again, that goes into the size element that the Cam's talking about where defensively, you know, there's there's guys that are taller than them. That you can't out rebound them on that side of the ball, but they do send their wings and sometimes guards into the fray to try and create extra possessions offensively. So uh, it's gonna it could be very interesting to see what the offensive rebounded situation looks like for both teams because both teams have an opportunity uh, to rack up some offensive rebounds. Well, gentlemen, I heard some of your predictions from yesterday's uh, list of the podcast. I know who Tom Peavy uh, was going with, and I know you haven't made. I, I, at least I haven't heard your final uh, four selections. But I happened to get a link to a website I am not familiar with. It was from an AL.com basketball archive of uh, Auburn and their predictions. And it's a website called Haslametrics. Are you familiar with them, guys? Uh, I, I've seen a, a lot of different metric sites no, passed around. and I, I had not been on many of them until tournament time, so I, I, I don't recall this one. 
apparently this website uses a good deal of all kinds of uh, deep analytics, and they have uh, apparently scientific lines or whatever uh, analyzes uh, to the nth degree on any given team that you want to put in and any opponent, uh, 333 teams in, in, uh, in basketball, to see what their uh, analytics uh, predicts. So I went and did this. Uh, there.com has article two, and they have Auburn winning about three points. All right, uh, that was pretty interesting. And they give you their reasons. Uh, they analyze it, uh, uh, what they're basing on uh, defensive rebounds, offensive anyway. So then I looked at uh, okay. So my, I'm doing my bracketologies with ESPN, CBS Sports, and Fox. And so I said, well, I, I want to make sure I have a decent chance. So I want to see okay, who does this uh, metrics uh, analysis website uh, show that anybody who could beat possibly Alabama. And the two teams they came up with are, who do you think? Oh, well, I mean, they lost to UConn earlier this year. Would UConn be one of them? No. All right, well, UConn did beat them, so I would right. say that would be at least possible. Uh, what about Arizona? No, although oh. it's close. Just by three points, <coughs> they, uh, they beat Arizona. Uh, would it be... Purdue. I mean, I don't know. I'm going to start naming big seeds now. Okay. Uh, Gonzaga is one of the teams. Gonzaga. I, I was thinking about that. Okay. Texas, maybe? I'll tell you, I'll tell you how they about it. They only having Gonzaga win by one point. Sure. All right. The other team, which I hate that they came up because I'm picking against them, is Houston. Houston. Okay. And they have that one as a nail by They have uh, Houston winning by .8 something, so it's one point win. And that's it. That's all this website's metric shows. Uh, anybody that now they did have, um, it was, I said Arizona losing by I think four or five points. Uh, yeah, and then they had um, UCLA as a tough game um, that they lose I think by three or four points. So these are all you know kind of debatable. But I just thought I'll throw this out to you guys, and you can visit the website. It's called H A S L A Metrics dot com. And you can put any team you want to if you're playing other brackets and decide, okay, do I want to go with these? So I thought just, just for the heck of it, since I, I don't list probably than these computer now, so I'm just going to pick some of their uh, pickers and see uh, how it turns out. But I do like Gonzaga. And uh, I'm hoping uh, – I'm picking Auburn against Houston. Of course, you know, that's emotionally. Uh, although I, I think Auburn should give them a, a tough fight. Uh, what's, your, what's your guys' take on that? It really depends on if if Houston has Marcus Sasser. I really think that's going to be the key. Uh, I, was, I said that to Ryan earlier. That that's kind of how far I think Houston can go. If Marcus Sasser is healthy, healthy. If if that groin injury doesn't bother him, because I mean th- that's a tough and tricky injury, um, and and he really did kind of hurt it pretty bad. So uh, he didn't he didn't play in the uh, AAC championship, and and they lost to Memphis by I think ten points. So. Yeah, uh, that definitely is going to play a factor because they they need his scoring um, big time and 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 his distributing. So it'll be interesting. Uh, I I could definitely that that's that's a perfect scenario for for Auburn if they can beat if they can beat Iowa, they can get past Iowa. That's going to be a tough game, um, and Houston will probably win their matchup. If they can get Houston, that would be a favorable matchup. It'll kind of be a, a home game for Auburn. Obviously, we know that because they'll be in Birmingham, um, and they can feed off that energy. Uh, if Houston doesn't have Marcus Sasser, I, I mean, I definitely give Auburn some type of a chance to 
to win that game as long as they play a solid game. Right. So, guys, I know you haven't made your picks, but for what it's worth, I'll give you my four, uh, at least on one bracket. I've got uh, my final four being Arizona uh, and Marquette and Texas and UConn. And then I picked uh, Marquette to play UConn in the championship game uh, with Marquette winning. Yeah, Steve, we have the we have the same loser of the national title game. I will give you that. We have the same loser. Yep, I have UConn losing the title game, but I will not yet reveal to whom. Okay, hi. Well, uh, I'd say Marquette is a to be a pretty decent pick. Uh, although I uh, I do like uh, you know uh, UCLA's uh, chances as well. Yeah, uh, but they're on the other side. Uh, we and, both. Uh, yeah, you and me both have Marquette in there in the. Um, in the championship. Although I am a little bit suspicious about Purdue and Duke. Yeah. Uh, you know, Purdue is interesting because they're so reliant on Zach Eady and he is so good, uh, but it only takes him to get in foul trouble or something happen to where Purdue would be greatly altered. And then Duke is really hot right now. They've won nine in a row. They've played really good defense this year. That's what this Duke team has been different than the Coach K teams. Coach K teams always shot the three well, scored well, out talented you, and then maybe they got enough defensive stops in their great years. This team has worked a lot harder on the defensive end. Now, they don't always score the ball efficiently, but they have a little bit better as of late. And again, they are playing their best basketball right now. Okay. And finally, guys, I think you're. Your insights there uh, about tomorrow night's game. You know, I've seen a lot of you know bantering on the pod. Uh, people, you know, bloggers saying that you know Alabama people are going to be staying over. They got to pay another ticket price to stay there. Uh, the people buy Alabama people buying Iowa shirts. You know, they're going to be harassing and trying to out yell us. You know, do you, do you see this guy? I mean, do you see this still you know, being primarily an Auburn uh, home game with most of the fans being Auburn, or or do you see that hey? You know, they we might be somehow uh, outnumbered by the uh, Alabama fans and the Iowa people coming there. I, I mean, I, I don't think that it's going to be a quote unquote home game for Auburn. There are going to be a lot of Auburn fans there, um, but it, I mean, it's it, it's not like they're going to be playing in Neville Arena. I, I mean, it's that's just the simple fact. I, I mean, it, yeah, it's going to be a lot of Auburn fans there, and I think Auburn can can use that to their advantage. There are going to be some Alabama fans that are going to stick around and cheer for Iowa, I mean, as as would be expected. But um, I, I think Auburn just needs to understand it's going to be a good crowd, but it's not going to be Neville Arena. Well, I agree. I thought maybe like, you know, 70-30, you know, Auburn fans. I, I mean, I could see that happening. Yeah. I could, I could very much see that. See that, see that happening. Excuse me. All right. That's it, guys. Um, I've taken much, much of your time as you graciously uh, offer me. So thank you for that. Uh, my time is way up for now. And uh, I hope you guys have a relaxing and uh, rest of the evening uh, entertaining one. And we'll talk again uh, tomorrow before uh, uh, the big game starts. Yes, sir. Bye, right, guys. War yes, Eagle. War Eagle, War Steve. Eagle. That is retired Ward Am Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. I always appreciate Steve for calling in there, giving his thoughts. A lot to talk about in the sports world, including at the NCAA tournament. We'll start to reveal what we have in our brackets again. If you want to join us, you join the ESPN Fantasy app and you go to Tournament Challenge, the Sports Call 2023 bracket. That is what you are. Uh, that, that's our bracket. That's our group. 
Uh, we also kind of had a little bit of a group discussion on our group picks of Sports Call as a as a show has an entry in there. And so uh, we have that in there. The motto is still here to beat JJ. If you if you want to make sure that you, you found the right group there. So uh, find us there on the ESPN uh, tournament challenge there was the Sports Call 2023 bracket. One more time out in this hour. Back with more of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show after this. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Wednesday. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy. One final segment here in hour number one. A lot to look forward to, though, in hour number two at 4.30. Justin Ferguson, he will talk Auburn spring practice with us, as well as the NCAA tournament in Birmingham uh, between Auburn and Iowa, and hopefully Auburn and Houston after that. And then at 5 o'clock today, a town named Tuesday on a Wacky Wednesday, as uh, we will have two states to go through there and give you some fun town names and try and tell you which state they're from and all the good fun and laughs that that come with that great segment. So that's coming up in the 5 o'clock hour today. Again, six or seven minutes left in this first hour before our end of our break and want to continue to talk uh, some NCAA tournament items here. alluded to this a little bit early in the show. I want to go through the upset part of the equation because the upset part of the equation in, in March Madness is what makes it mad. That's what uh, what's, makes it awesome, and it's what uh, gets people's brackets really hurting. So CBS put this graphic, uh, graphic up. I'm sure a lot of people have seen some form of it. They put this graphic up after the selection show on Sunday of how many times the lower seed is won in each matchup. So we're going to go through it now. Obviously, everyone knows that the 16 has beaten a 1 only one time. 1 and 147 are 16 seasons. That was the Virginia that. getting knocked yep. off. Right? University of Maryland, Baltimore and it was County. literally 1 against like 64, too. Like, yep. So that's the only time. How many times? Okay. These are, for the record, uh, all out of making sure here. Well, there's. There's one that's not out of 148. I, I do not know why the 710 is not out of 148, but all these are out of 148, okay? Let's play a little guessing game here. How many times has a 15 beaten a 2 out of 148 times? How many times do you guys think that's happened? A 15 beating a 2? Yep. Ooh, um, I'm going to say four times. Oh, I think it's more than four. Uh I, I'm going to say at least 10. Are you going to go with 10? Yeah. That is 10. Yeah. 10, at, 10 and 138. Now, that's still <laughs> just about a 6.8% win percentage. Hey. Uh, I think some of the notable, notables, obviously, Lehigh beat Duke when they were a 15. Florida Gulf Coast was a 15 uh, when they made a run. Dunk City. Uh, I feel like there was one more recent than that. I don't think it was or was Oral. 
Well, Saint was Saint Peter's a fifteen. Yep. Uh, when they beat Kentucky, yep. so Europe, yes. Um, so they they've happened more recently, last ten or so years. So ten times. All right. How many times out of one forty eight again uh, has a fourteen beaten a three? So you got to go. I think I think you're going to progressively go higher. So uh, on this one, I'm going to. I go fifteen. Right, I'm going to go twenty. Tom is very close. Twenty two. Yeah. So 22 times, that's about a 15% winning percentage for the 14. So if you wanted to map that out, that happens every other year uh, is what what happens there. Uh, 22 and 126. All right, how about a 13 against a 4? 13 against a 4. Out of 148. uh, 30. 30 30-ish. Yeah, 30 times. I'm going to go like 45. Cam is right on on the dot here, 31. Okay. So uh, that's about a 21% win percentage. So that's one out of five. So it almost happens every year where a 13, or excuse right. me, where a, uh, yeah, where a 13 beats a four. Uh, 20.9% is the win percentage on that 31 out of 148. All right. Now we're getting to uh, the, the real mayhem 12 versus a five. This one's probably out of 148. This has probably happened about 60 times. Uh, see, I was actually thinking 60. Little lower, fifty three. Okay, fifty three out of uh, out of one forty eight. But that's still thirty six percent of the time. Right, a yeah. twelve beats a five, which means it happens really every year. Every year, once. and if if you go through two years, it probably happened twice. One of those two years, right. it, it happens three out of eight times, roughly. So in a two year span, it'll happen three times. And then eleven versus a six. There's an interesting factoid inside of this. Uh, 11 versus 6, I'll bury this lead for you guys. It's very very close. It was 53 for the 12. It's 57 for the 11. However, so however, since 2010, the 11 beating a 6, and I think 2010's around when they brought in the first four, by the way. It was right. maybe a couple years later. An 11 beating a 6 is over 500 since yeah. 2010. It's, it's 54% mo- of the time. Sheesh. So 11s have been very hot against sixes here the last decade plus. All right, 10 versus a seven. What would you guys think? And this is out of 147, and I don't know if there's a graphical error there or if someone <sighs> forfeited at some point or what, but this is out of 147. Uh, I, I, I'm going to go back to what I said, about 60, 60 times. Yeah, I'm going around that 60. Good guess. It's 58 out of 147. That's almost 40% of the time, 39.5% of the time. And then fun little thing at the end here, 9 versus 8. Obviously, that pertains to Auburn as they are the 9. The 9 actually a little outlasts the 8. The 9 has got a 51.4% Yeah, I was going to say it's about, probably about 500. Yeah, it is yeah. very close to 500, but the 9 has actually beaten the 8 a little bit more often. The 9 is 76 and 72 uh, against the eight seed there. So fun math there on how often this happens. Obviously, uh, the 12-5 is when we took that big jump because we were around 20% for the 4-13 and 15% for the 3-14. But 36% of the time, essentially, uh, is how often a 12 beats a 5. With that in mind, I know we're down to just a couple minutes, mm. but do you have any big Cinderella's? Or uh, or what would be your biggest first-round upset, if you can recall your bracket? Because we've all made our brackets here, so yeah. have yes. Can you recall uh, your biggest upset? I, if I'm not mistaken, my biggest was uh, that I think I mentioned it yesterday with uh, Charleston. Okay, twelve yeah. versus a five. I also have uh, Charleston upsetting. I do have that one for uh, for the record too, but that's not quite my biggest upset. And then um, 
Louisiana and and Tennessee. I have that one too. I'm pulling my bracket up so I can. I have two. I have two thirteens. I, I I did not go gutsy enough to go fourteen or fifteen this year, and I would never go sixteen. It it could happen again next year, and I wouldn't do it the year after. Um, Pick Kennesaw State to be Xavier. Okay, so that's your biggest one. So you've got yeah. that's the that's the fourteen. Yeah, over the three. Okay, you got. I, no, I appreciate that because still, let's go out. One of baby. The, one of those. I've got. I've got. I got Providence over Kentucky, but that's eleven six. Right. I I've actually got um, two twelves and two. Uh, I'm sorry, two twelves and one thirteen is uh is my biggest so charleston and vcu are 12s that i've got and uh vcu for the record is playing saint mary's charleston's playing san diego state i think we're all thinking well they're not going to be that much more talented than the 12 they're also playing from a little less than major conferences and then i've got 13 seated uh kent state beating indiana Man, uh, right really? Um, That's going to be an interesting one. And wow. I guess I've got the I've got the Louisiana. So I've got two 12s and two 13s. I don't have any 14s what, or 15s. What was your reasoning behind the Indiana upset? I think that uh, it's more of a case of Indiana's probably overseeded from what they actually uh, are. I think the Big Ten has gotten a, a lot of credit for really just one great team being that right. league. Really, Purdue's the only team right. that has a, a really good chance of getting to the Sweet 16, even let alone you know Elite Eight or Final Four. And so I'm trying to pull up again. Indiana has talent. Uh, I mean, they do. You know, but Indiana for me, um, you know, they're not an overly good offensive team. 75 right. is kind of right in the middle. Yeah, and they they do have 11 losses as a four seed. Again, 11 losses. It's not like it's unheard of for around that line, but again, that's in the Big Ten where they probably only played one opponent truly better than them in all of Big right. Ten play, and they still came out with eleven losses. Uh, so I just think they're susceptible to not playing up to their best. Uh, yeah. Uh, and Kent State right. won like twenty-eight games out of the MAC. So again, that's not one that I'm convicted, you know, as much. Right, like right. I'm really convicted that uh, I'll, I'll go out and say Louisiana over Tennessee. That Since he definitely. loses early all the time, right. that would be more one I'm more confident in. But I'm just rolling with maybe the Big Ten got a little overvalued in some That's of their fair. seating. All right, out of time for hour number one. We will uh, go to the other side of the bracket. We'll give you our final four picks at some point in hour number two. Again, Justin Ferguson coming up at 4.30. Town name Tuesday on a Wednesday coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned. A lot more fun things ahead on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. 
We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and I've got Tom Peavy and Cam Berry with me here this afternoon. If you ever missed any part of the show or some of the fun things that you're that we're about to do on this show at 4.30 and in the 5 o'clock hour, the Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. And join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola, Taste the Feeling. And, of course, the podcast is available wherever you may get your pot- podcast. SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and our Tiger Communications app. A lot of ways for you to listen to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. So there's no excuse to say that you didn't hear it. Exactly. We understand (laughs) this is a three-hour show. You are very likely not going to listen to all of it. Uh, You're going to have to have other things going on in life. But you have ways to make it all whole at the end of the day. You can listen to us a little bit live, a little bit after the fact on the podcast. A lot of ways for you to listen you listen on your phone, through the app, just just a lot of ways for you to take in Sports Call. So we continue on here. I want to talk a little bit about spring ball in just a moment, uh, right before the Justin Ferguson interview. But to piggyback off of what we were talking about uh, at the end of hour number one, now I want to transfer. We, we just talked a little bit about the beginning of the tournament and a couple of potential big upsets. So no one went worse th- Oh, you had Cam had a a fourteen over a three. I did, uh, and so that was the biggest upset we had. A couple thirteens, couple twelves over fives. Yeah. You didn't happen to have that fourteen advancing to the Sweet Sixteen or anything. I did crazy not. Like that. Okay, because um, sometimes that 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 can be fun too. That would be fun. Uh, so, all right, let's go to the back end of the tournament now. Uh, what does everyone think about getting out of each regional and, and who you got in the final four? My final four, I have Alabama, Marquette. Texas and Kansas. Okay, Alabama, Marquette, Texas, Kansas. Uh, what which of those was the hardest for you? Which team do you think will have the the greatest challenge of getting out of your of your regionals? I actually think Kansas will have the toughest toughest time getting out of there because you know they gotta they gotta get past um, in my Sweet Sixteen for for their West. Um, for theirs, I have Kansas, UConn, TCU, and UCLA. I have UCLA advancing past TCU, um, and and Kansas moving past UConn, um, moving past UConn. And I think that if if Kansas and UCLA face each other, I think that'll be a good one. Um, I think that'll definitely be interesting. Um, the only reason I had Kansas winning was because um, UCLA lost their their Jalen Clark. Yeah, yeah. Jalen Clark. They lost him. Um, I think that's going to eventually play a part and i think it's going to come against a team like kansas um that that is they can really score um texas they're just a really good team um i i have i have texas actually winning the championship um texas over marquette uh, um, yes texas over marquette winning the championship um i have alabama moving past baylor i just think alabama is one of the top just one of the best teams in the nation honestly just they're just extremely talented. I've seen them up close and personal at this point now, and yeah, they're 
they're they're it. You know, even when even when they're not shooting well, they're able to get to the rack and, and draw fouls and and still be able to put put the uh, put the ball in the hoop. Um, I have Duke losing to Marquette and getting to the Final Four. Um, Duke, I, I think they're going to go get to the Elite Eight. They're hot. I think I think they found that groove. Um, and, and they're gonna they're gonna move kind of deep into the tournament, but I think Marquette's kind of a buzzsaw. I think Shaka Smart um, has them has them really really playing well. I've always liked the energy that Shaka Smart I, I teams bring to the I table. Uh, you know, it, things they at won Texas the Big East with ease. Things at Texas, you know, didn't work out uh, exactly how they wanted them to, and it's kind of interesting because they're so different. We we I always think, it was a think style fit for we, sure. We think of Texas a lot because of the football aspect and the tremendous resources they have. In, in the college basketball world, they produce some really excellent players. Yes, they do. But historically, you know, you can make an argument Marquette's above them. I mean, they're, re- they're really right there. So it was kind of a lateral move in that sense, but it is ultimately looking like a better fit yeah. for Shaka, which Texas, you know, always is just going to be added pressure that come with that added money, uh, yeah. regardless of the sport. Um, and, but always love the way that his teams play, uh, even dating back to VCU when he was helping getting VCU on the map. So um, I like Marquette, too, a lot. Tom, what do you got there in the late rounds? All right. Um, well, I, so final my final four, uh, I'm going Arizona, Duke, and Xavier, Kansas. Um and I've got Arizona and Kansas in the finals with Arizona winning the national title. All right. That's my sports call bracket. I've also got other brackets, but right. sure, that's yeah. my sports call bracket. Right, right. Um, uh, let's see if I can back this up. Okay, so, uh, yeah, I, I've got Xavier going because I have Xavier upsetting Texas, which, I mean, that would be a 3-2. Uh, but I've got Xavier upsetting Texas and then Xavier beating Miami. So I've got Miami coming out of that region with and Auburn. surprise Houston um, there? Yeah, or, uh, okay. who did I? Or do you have Auburn beating Houston and then losing to Miami for a second year in a row? Let's see. What did I do there? I have Auburn going to my Elite Eight. I, I've actually Whoa. got uh, – I actually have Iowa upsetting Houston. Okay. I have, okay, you have Iowa beating Auburn. I have okay. Iowa beating yeah. Auburn and then Iowa upsetting Houston to play Miami because I've got Miami yeah. knocking okay. off Indiana. Uh, and then Miami beating Iowa – Xavier upsetting Texas and then Xavier beating Miami. Hmm. So uh, Arizona Duke, yeah, Arizona Duke, Xavier Kansas, um, uh, Elite Eight. I've got Kansas beating UCLA. So we talked about the Kansas UCLA p- potential matchup. Yeah, that, I have those two facing off in the Elite Eight with Kansas winning. Um, I've got Virginia against Arizona in the Elite Eight. I've got Duke Marquette in the Elite Eight with Duke winning. Uh, Miami Xavier in the other Elite Eight with Xavier winning. So. Fair. Uh, and it, let's see, where do, I have Virginia knocking off Alabama in the Sweet 16. That's where Alabama goes down. Interesting. interesting. That, that, that'll that definitely be interesting. And maybe I, it's I, on a double dribble. It's going <laughs> to – it'll be tough. It'll really be tough because Virginia – I watched I watched that a, ACC championship with, between Duke and Virginia, and <laughs> Virginia can't score. They just can't. It's just right. – they can play defense, and they've always hinged their entire, you know, that's how they've they've always been hinged on defense, um, and kind of just being able to get enough points that they can win. Uh, it's more about holding the other team to less points. Obviously, that's how defense works. But anyway, um, that's kind of how they've hinged themselves on on winning games. Um, and 
I, I just, I, it would be interesting if they can, if they can hold Alabama because Alabama's good at defense and offense. So it's, it's interesting. Um, that would be an interesting pick if, if Virginia was able to, um, uh, knock, knock off Alabama. But Ryan, you can give yours, and then I'll, I'll give my reasoning for why I have um, Auburn in the Elite Eight. If uh, after, sure. after, sure. That. Um, so I went a little bit of everything in the Elite Eight. Uh, once we got to that point, uh, you know, I noted I didn't have a true Cinderella. I didn't have really uh, – I don't think I had any double-digit seeds reaching the Sweet 16. I had, a, obviously, a few upsets getting right. to the round of 32, but nothing gutsy enough. My non-chalk and my mixing it up came to the lead eight when I had two one-seeds, one-two-seed, two-three-seeds, a four, a five, and a six, all making the Elite Eight. Yeah. So. Elite Eight, uh, in the top left, I had Alabama versus Creighton. Uh, Creighton is an interesting team to me because early in the year, they were very highly ranked playing in Maui. They went through a a stretch without uh, Kalkbrenner, their big big guy, where he was sick. He missed some games. He got a little injured. And that caused a kind of dip in play. And then they kind of straightened things uh, up a little bit later in the year. So I've got them upsetting Arizona in the Sweet 16. Uh, and again, I, my my upsets kind of come, I guess, in the later part. And some of this, I'll also say, is because again, I, there's one or two th- teams that are, are truly great or, or, or really really good, but to me, I just don't think there's a big gap no. between the top 16 teams in the country, top 12 teams in the country, or so. So I agree. I, I think that there um, there can be some chaos, maybe a little later, with some mid ranging seeds of four and fives and stuff getting through i do have alabama beating creighton however in the elite eight getting the final four uh this this left side of the bracket for me personally is just going to be hell uh, because i have duke beating purdue in the sweet 16 playing marquette in the elite eight but i have duke beating marquette in the elite eight i think that would be a potentially very low scoring game between duke and marquette i know marquette's pretty good offensive team but Duke only allows 63.5 points a game this year. Uh, A a, a very good defense for what Duke usually has. They they win lower-scoring games this year. So I have Duke versus Alabama in a a Nightmare Fuel Final Four uh, for my personal rooting interest. Yeah, I'll be rooting for the other national semifinal (laughs) winner if that were to happen. Uh, The the right side of the bracket, I do have Houston as the second number one seed to get to a Final Four. I do expect them to play Miami in the Sweet 16. I expect them to play Xavier in the Elite Eight. Uh, one little small round of 32 surprise. I had A&M beating Texas in the round of 32, so I had ah, Xavier beating A&M. So I have fair. Houston and Xavier in the Elite Eight matchup. And then I have some wackiness in the uh, in the bottom right. I've got four-seeded UConn beating one-seeded Kansas and three-seeded Gonzaga beating two-seeded UCLA. That's... You know, we, we kind of think at some point Clark will matter. Mm-hmm. I think it'll matter around earlier because I think Gonzaga is playing their best basketball of the season here in the last couple of months. They always lose one or two in the WCC, but that came earlier for them this year. They yeah. they, straight, so they, they the righted Mary's the ship and, yeah. in the month of February and smoked St. Mary's uh, in the did. conference title <sighs> game. And I think the perception of them is a little different this year because they've carried that one seed several times. And when you're a one seed, I mean, you are seeded. If, if it goes chalk, you're supposed to make the Final Four. You're supposed to contend for the title. And that's happened for them a couple of times, but it's also they've gone out 
very early a couple right. times. And so I think there's a little less pressure behind them this year coming from the three line rather than the one or the two line. I do have, uh, again, like I said, I had Houston beating Xavier, and I have UConn beating Gonzaga uh, in the Elite Eight. So I have UConn in the Final Four against Houston, Alabama versus Duke. So two one seeds versus then a four and a five. I have Alabama defeating Duke in the Final Four. I have UConn defeating Houston in the Final Four. The one problem with Houston, again, I think they're going to make a deep run. And, yes, the Sasser thing is, is a, I guess, another problem. But uh, Houston is not always a great offensive team. They are a, a different ver- – they're kind of a version of Virginia in recent years yeah. where they play excellent defense. They can keep you in the 50s, honestly. Right. But at times their jump shooting goes away – and they are not a very efficient offense despite playing a slower pace. So slow pace plus non-efficiency equals a, a rough offense. So at times, that can happen. Now, at times, they're, they're fine offensively, but you also have to weigh in the fact that the AAC only has one other tournament team. So Houston, kind of like a Gonzaga, is not always playing the same type of competition that some of these other big conference teams do. So that can inflate the numbers a little bit. Uh, and, and so I do worry about them offensively in important game situations. So Final Four, I had, again, Bama beating Duke. I have UConn beating Houston. That would be a rematch of one of Alabama's four or five losses earlier this year. Mm-hmm. But I think Alabama was a lot different team then than they are now. Don't hate me, Auburn. I'm picking Alabama to win the national title this year. Oh, um, oh. So... I believe they are the best team in the country, and here's why. It's worst case scenario. The I know. I I'm not not happy about yeah. this. I'm not <laughs> saying this like, oh, I can't wait for this to occur. Um, if again, Bama Duke in the Final Four for me personally as a Carolina <laughs> fan, given the Auburn background too, uh, is nightmare fuel. But um, what I think about Alabama and why I believe they're the best team in the country is something you alluded to a moment ago. They can, they shoot a lot of threes, but it does not impact their ability Doesn't to win matter. basketball games. No. They've had plenty of times the last 10 games or so where they have not shot well. In fact, in Coleman, when they beat Auburn in overtime, they scored 90 points in overtime game. They shot 25% from three, and they scored 90 points. Yeah, They are capable of great offense without the three ball because Brandon Miller can drive and get fouled and finish around the rim. Their guards are very willing to drive uh, when you're talking about Javon Quinterly, who's playing much better as a starter than he did as a reserve, and then uh, Marcus Sears. And so they can get to the rim as a secondary offense, which will allow them to score when they're not hitting threes. And then they also play good defense. They're a really good rebounding team. Yeah. There was at a time in the season, they were the number one rebounding team in, in college basketball. They've got size that I don't think people realize they have. Bidiaco is basically yeah. seven feet. Gurley is 6'11", but shoots threes. Clowny. And then Brandon Miller, 6'8", 6'9". And they have, yeah. As a small forward. And so that's a very big lineup, yet that does not limit them offensively because Gurley goes out and shoots threes, because Miller can score from 30 feet and inside. Uh, they don't they don't have to sacrifice their offense to be big and to be a little more physical. And so obviously watched them a ton this year not been happy about it um but i just think the path to beating them is so difficult because you can't check off one thing well if you just quiet brandon miller well okay they beat houston at houston without brandon miller having a field goal well if they just shoot the three ball poorly 
Well, they've had plenty of times they've shot the three ball poorly and still won lately. Well, if they're kind of lackadaisical defense, well, okay, all of a sudden they could score 85 points and 90 points, and they can do that with or without the three ball. So I just think there are so many things you have to do well against them. You need need Miller to be a little off. You need their three ball to be a little off. You need to get the bigs in foul trouble. There's a whole checklist of items that I think is a longer checklist than everybody else. And and so I I know – Again, I'm not going to win a, a single point here. Boo. And again, I want to remind everyone: screw my bracket. I do not <laughs> care if I'm good at my bracket. This is uh, my bracket is just an honest belief. I will fill out my Auburn to the title game bracket tonight too. <laughs> Don't you worry. Uh, but just in my official bracket, uh, I, I I think Bama's the most complete yeah. team. I don't think Virginia is worth a damn in a game like that because yeah. Virginia just can't, they can't score. They can't do it. And, and Alabama will eventually score. No no team can put them down in the 50s where Virginia is going to have to operate. Right. And so, you know, to me, I didn't pick Furman, but Furman scores 81 a game. I want to make sure Virginia gets past Furman first. And right. then I certainly don't trust San Diego State in the five. I, I, I think they're – I'm not saying it's easy because West Virginia could beat anybody in the country, and yeah. that could be a, a, a weirdly interesting round of 32 game. So I'm not. This is not a their path is easy standpoint either. But I'm just saying from matchup wise, I, I don't think their robust matchups happen until the Elite Eight. Yeah. No, and uh, I, I I do honestly believe that Alabama is one of the, if not the most complete team in the nation. However, yeah. I can't get out of my head. Them getting absolutely blasted by Oklahoma. Yeah. I can't get past the fact that Auburn, a very mediocre, if even below mediocre, Auburn team was up by 17 on average. I can't get past the fact that Texas A&M beat them right after Auburn and nearly pulled off the upset. Um, So these things are kind of in my head that, you know, yeah, they are really, really good, but are they built for a long tournament run? Now, they did it in the SEC tournament. I'll give them that. But they also had the double bye. Yeah, they had the easiest path. They had the easiest path and the double and, bye. And seeing Texas A&M a second time, you're going to win. They, sure. they, it's just so kind of how it goes. That, it, so that's why I have my doubts about Alabama is because I have seen them – I've seen them get their doors blown off. I've seen them almost get their doors blown off. And these were – Oklahoma is not a good team. Oklahoma's no, not a good team at all, no. and they just blasted Bama. I, I, but Auburn's not a good team. They were up by seventeen on them. So I also think I just have my doubts about Alabama, and and it may not be Virginia. I may, I may be giving Virginia too much credit, but I just I don't know that Alabama is. I don't know that they're going to be able to get to the championship game, and that's just a gut feeling. And maybe some of it has orange and blue glass tinted glasses behind it, but I just I I don't have the gut feeling that Alabama is going to make it that far. That's fair. I also think, though, you got to remember, in college basketball, everyone has a few that are absolutely – I know Texas is really good, but Kansas just lost by 20 in the the Big 12 championship game. Uh, Obviously, it's not like – you know, losing by twenty something to Oklahoma. Well, Auburn, but, got, Auburn got beat by thirty something by Kentucky sure. before they went on their final four. And, and that's not who they are are either. They're not thirty points worse than Kentucky. Um, you know, but every team I could pick at and just say, okay, well, Purdue had a stretch where they lost three out of four. Right. They lost by fourteen to Maryland. You know, UConn Maryland had a stretch where average, I think they lost know. like five in a row. Right. Sure. I, 
like again, you can you can find that's what I'm saying about college basketball. It's 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 different Any from football because day. if you lose one or two games in football, that's a real thing that happened and there's not a huge sample size to overcome like two losses, for instance. But in basketball, everyone loses three, four, five times. Yep. Every single team. And so that's why being undefeated is so rare. Like that, exactly. that Gonzaga team, what was that, two years ago that lost to Baylor in the yeah. championship? That that's so rare um them going that far like i don't think i have when's the last time a, t- a team went completely undefeated i would have been one of those wooden ucla yeah, teams like had to have been right think, yeah. I, and other than that but not really in our lifetime right? right we've not seen something like that so that was a such a big deal obviously baylor ended up being the better team um but yeah, it's 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 interesting. College basketball, it can just be any any given day. Well, the the one thing that I'll say about this, and this is what makes filling out this year's bracket so difficult, is that if if there's ever, I mean, obviously nobody really knows what's going to happen in these tournaments because it does get. It's why they call it March Madness. Yeah, there is it's no crazy. Clear. I have a feeling that this one this year is going to be more madness than anything, just because there- no. I, nobody I, I mean there's not a very there, clear clear right. uncut i agree with they, you there's not a clear cut team that if they were to get knocked off really early you're like oh my gosh i that is just stunning right right you know there's really good teams throughout and, and i that's why i think this is i think it's honest I, it's up for grabs for just about anybody i mean there's probably there's probably eight teams that you could sit there and look at and you're like these eight having a real legitimate shot right at this instead of just going there's two really clear cuts that you know are going to be there unless something crazy happens yeah real quickly cam uh, you wanted to give why auburn uh could make the lead eight? yeah you want to make so, a case for that yeah so method to my madness i promise i am not saying this auburn team is you know world beaters or anything like that um i i think they are a bunch of fighters I think they can beat this this Iowa team as long as they hustle. I think if you out rebound them, I think you can win. Um, uh, and obviously, you want to have productive guard play, which I, I think that that's kind of almost figured itself out. Um, Houston, I, I I have Auburn beating Houston in the round of thirty two, only because I don't know if Marcus Sasser is going to play. I I that's just what I'm hinging it off of right now. He's not playing is what I is what I know. He's not playing right now. He has the groin injury. I haven't really heard anything that he's he's going to play because, like I said, groin injuries are tough. That that especially in basketball, that that can keep you out for a, a few weeks sometimes, uh, and and that could end up costing Houston big time. I have them seeing Miami in the Sweet Sixteen revenge game. I I really I I see that as a revenge game. I bet I can almost agree. I can almost see that those guys have not forgotten about that at all whatsoever. And and, I mean, Auburn returned pretty much the exact same team outside of losing Jabari and Walker. Um, So I I think they would definitely have it out for Miami. I bet I bet if they can get past those two games, they have that sweet 16 matchup potential against Miami um, circled. Uh, Obviously, don't want to look too far ahead, but just, you know, that scenario, they could see them see see Miami again. Elite Eight, I have Auburn losing to Texas in the Elite Eight. That's that's as far as I th- I see them going. Texas, I just think, is all, an overall better team, a more experienced team. They have like 40, 60-year guys. They just um, they they have a lot of talent and and a lot lot of age experience, um, a lot of age 
uh, and experience on their roster, and I think that's where they lose. Um, so that's that's my that's my kind of reasoning for for how how I can see them going that far. Obviously, it, it, you have to kind of see a lot, and a lot has to fall into place for that to happen. But it's not impossible, and so that's that's kind of my thought process on it. Yeah, very little is imp- impossible in the month of March. We will we will certainly hope. Uh, for that kind of result out of Auburn, obviously a long way to go. Uh, but we will see. The madness will begin tomorrow. We need to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer will join us. He'll talk about the Auburn men's basketball team as they get set for the NCAA tournament in Birmingham, as well as an update from spring football practice. Let's see what Hugh Freeze has had to say in recent days and the practice plan for Auburn football moving forward. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call. easy it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn i'm Britt bowen voice of auburn women's basketball and auburn softball you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back to Sports Call on this Wednesday on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here on this beautiful Thursday, or Wednesday afternoon. excuse me. And now let's go back to the Auburn Bank phone line and bring on Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer uh, as Justin gets set to cover the NCAA tournament in Birmingham. Ferg, the time is greatly appreciated, and it, you did not have to travel across the country, nor does a lot of Tiger fans right up the road in Birmingham. How does it feel to have such a close uh, NCAA tournament site as opposed to some of the times where Auburn has gone uh, across the country? Yeah, it was a pretty good pretty good feeling to you know know that you have NCAA tournament stuff starting today and with practices and, and press conferences. And I mean, I woke up at 6 o'clock this morning and got here. So it was it was pretty good. It's, uh, it's definitely something that I think uh, – a lot of us will appreciate, and I think a lot of Auburn fans will, and it's just a matter if the Tigers take advantage of the crowd that they should have tomorrow. And, and that is one of the uh, interesting topics, for because a lot of things uh, have been made about the fact that both Alabama and Auburn are going to be in Birmingham on Thursday. Obviously, they're different sessions, so uh, it's not like Alabama fans can just park it right there and, and not move. Uh, but what is the anticipated uh, crowd like? I, I assume there will be more Auburn fans than anything uh, for the Auburn Iowa game. But but what kind of rate and do you which or do you think in which Alabama fans will stick around and go to both sessions? Yeah, it just depends on how many Alabama fans you know got all session tickets ahead of time. You know, and <clears throat> knowing that they were going to be here uh, for pretty much the the entire you know regular season, uh, they had a pretty good feeling that they would be in the spot. So. I mean, it it just depends. It just depends on just how many folks they're doing. I know I know that a bit of Auburn fans have been able to buy up some tickets uh, for the second session, but it'll be very interesting to see, uh, you know, kind of what what that crowd looks like tomorrow. 
run through this Iowa team with us, Justin. Uh, what do kind of some of the an- analytics say about this team? And, and uh, if there is a comparison to anyone Auburn's played this year, who would it be? I think there's two comparisons that kind of jump out. First and foremost, uh, I think they are Missouri with Arkansas's length. I don't think they have Arkansas's athleticism, uh, but they're very similar to Missouri in the fact that this is not a defensive team at all. This is a team that has struggled on the defensive end this season, given up some big points. Analytically, you're not great. Uh, but, man, they have an awesome offense. Number three offense in the country um, in terms of efficiency this year. Uh, they put up over 80 points a game. Chris Murray whose twin brother Keegan uh, was, you know, number four pick in the in the draft this past year, um, you know, he's averaging over twenty himself. Like this is this is a really talented Iowa team that played super fast. You, you're going to think Big Ten team. You think kind of that methodical basketball. No, Iowa plays at one of the fastest paces in the country. Uh, they spread the floor. You know, they don't have a dominant like big big man. Um, everybody out there is, uh, you know, I think their their center is six nine, uh, but uh, everybody out there for Iowa is going to be at least 6'3", so they're long um, at, at pretty much every position. They play fast. They get a lot of shots up. And when they hit their threes, they're, they're really dangerous. Um, when they don't hit their threes as much, uh, you know, teams have been able to kind of take advantage. And so for Auburn, it's, you got to be able to continue to put up that really good defense uh, on the perimeter, um, that three-point defense that they had in the SEC. Can that carry over in a game like this? I think it's going to be a big, big question. Talking to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer here on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. And uh, try not to look ahead yet, so, so let's look towards uh, some of the things that Auburn can take advantage of uh, with Iowa. We know that they are not as good of a defensive team, but how does that translate to the way Auburn needs to run offense on Thursday? Yeah, so I mean, I think you've got, you know, the thing here is that they don't have a dominant rim protector. Um Teams have gotten a ton of their scoring on twos against Iowa this season. Um, you know, it's a huge chunk. Um, this is not this is one of the worst two-point defenses in the country. It's not a good three-point defense either, but I think it's just, you know, the matter of, like, you know, it's easier to score um, from two, and the fact that teams have been able to do it so frequently against Iowa is a good sign for Auburn because we know, you know, their three-point shooting has been better over the last month of the season. But um, that's not something you want to necessarily just put all your eggs in that basket. Uh, for Auburn, Jani Broom is such a key player for you. Jalen Williams has been – I mean, those two guys have been your most consistent scorers. Now, on the other side, Iowa's got – their front court is awesome on offense with Murray and uh, Rabacha. Uh, but, um, you know, defensively, they just don't have that, that interior presence uh, that you're used to maybe seeing in the SEC, some of those some of the strong, tough, physical defenses around the basket. So, for Auburn, I think, run your stuff through Janai Broom and Jalen Williams. Get them opportunities to go at the basket. Um, obviously, you can use your guards and your wings to get to the basket as well. But if you get, if you get Iowa kind of trailing and you know really having to you know sink their defense in and really collapse around the basket because they're trying to slow down Janai Broom who is who's bigger than anybody they'll put out there and Jalen Williams who has been such an excellent inside scorer for Auburn um that'll open some things up on the perimeter you got inside out play you got kickouts you'll be able to get, get your shot so for Auburn it's just can you keep the pressure on with your front court uh knowing that you have a size advantage there and and you know that Iowa's big weakness this season has been their interior defense. Well, you do that, open some things up for your perimeter uh, you know, offense, and Auburn to be able to put up some points. 
Um, they're like Missouri, like I said, in the fact that they're also on offense, not great on, on defense. The big thing there is is that uh, Missouri tries to get around it by pressuring and, and, and just selling out to get turnovers, double-teaming. I will do some of that, um, but they are not a team that forces a ton of steals. Um, so it is, it is going to be very interesting. I think Fran McCaffrey is a really, really good offensive coach. And on defense, I think you know he's just going to try to throw a bunch of different stuff, especially at Wendell Green Jr. and Auburn's guards, to try to frustrate them and get them out of rhythm. Um, but if Auburn plays every game and takes care of the ball and, and gets it to their two best players, uh, they should be able to get a lot of points tomorrow. Uh, has uh, has Bruce been asked about Auburn's inability to close out games, close out uh, close games, or or hold leads? I don't know if he's been asked that, but you know, just kind of in your opinion, uh, what is it that Auburn needs to do a little bit better to be able to close out some of these games that they just have not been able to this year? I think you got to go back to the last time they did do it, and that was Tennessee game. Uh, the fact that they were, you know, down by four, um, you know, with a few minutes left, and they came back and won that game pretty solidly, it's because of their defense. It's their defense and their rebounding. I think when you look at uh, Arkansas, um, Arkansas was able to build a lead early, and Auburn, you know, was able to get that last shot to go down. Um, Auburn just didn't get enough stops. Defensive rebounding and stops are the big thing. A lot of people are going to make make a big deal, and I get it from you know the last second uh, shot attempts by Wendell Green Jr. and the play calls there, and I understand. But if you look at Auburn's games this season, the ones they've lost, the ones where they've blown leads or lost close, um, the culprit has been defense in the last few minutes of those games. Um, so the big thing is, them, can you get stops? And you know Iowa. I was one of those teams where they score so well and they so, score so efficiently that they will never be out of the game. Go back to when they beat Michigan State this season, when they hit, when they scored about 40 points in the final two minutes of the game. It felt like ton of threes. They are never going to be out of it. So for Auburn, it's just defense, 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 especially in a game like this because if you know it's going to come down to the wire, it's supposed to be a really, really close game uh, in the point spread. You got to do a really good job of getting stops. Um, that's not only you know making them miss shots, but also making sure you rebound well enough to stop them. Uh, they did that against Tennessee. They didn't do it against Arkansas uh, down the stretch, and, and that's going to be a key against Iowa tomorrow. Absolutely, Justin. Talking to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. One more on basketball, then we'll have a spring football question or two for you. Uh, if Auburn is able to get through past Iowa and to that Houston game, uh, no disrespect to the Norse of Northern Kentucky, but uh, if they are able to get through to Houston, uh, this Houston team obviously has been towards the top of the country all season long. Uh, the the health of Sasser is obviously a big question, but but how do you like the matchup for Auburn against Houston? It's going to be really really tough uh, for sure. Uh, Houston is awesome on both ends of the floor. Got a lot of talent. Uh, they play a balanced, efficient brand of basketball on both ends. There's really no weakness in this team. Um, Sasser did was out there on the practice court today. Uh, did notice that. So I mean, we'll see if he plays in the 116 game tomorrow, but, um, you know, he, he, he at least is out there and then at least gets some shots up uh, for Houston, so that's key. Um, but I think, yeah, it's going to be a really brutal matchup uh, if Auburn has to play him, but I think if you're Auburn, you can look and say, hey, we led the best team in the country uh, for 60 minutes uh, of the 80 of regulation, those two games you played this year. So um, we know that Auburn's peak, and when Auburn plays at their best, they can hang with anybody in the country. And Houston is no exception. Uh, I think when Auburn gets clicking, 
Um, they can play with the best of the best, and they have been battle-tested. Um, it's just a matter of, A, can you get there, and B, can you sustain that when you do get there? Um, but, you know, I don't think the Sovereign team is going to be completely overmatched by any means when they go into a potential second-round game with, with, with Houston if they get there um, because they did a really good job against Alabama this year. Um, they beat Tennessee in a must-win game and almost beat them away from home. Um, Texas A&M is as good as, as they come in the, in, in the SEC. Um, you know, they had two really, really tight competitive games there, especially the second one. First one kind of got away from them in the first half. But outside of the Kentucky game, this team hasn't gotten blown out this year uh, very much. Uh, it's a good team. So they're going to have the confidence to think they can hang with anybody. And uh, you know what? The, the other thing is, is if they get to Saturday, you should have a better crowd than Houston does, and that might help you out. Also going on this time of year is spring football, just over three weeks away from the A-Day game inside of Jordan-Harris Stadium. Uh, Hugh Freeze met with the media earlier this week. Justin, what did he kind of have to say, his message about the team right now and just where they are uh, within spring practice and what what their guys are bringing to the table right now? I think the energy and the effort and just the excitement around Auburn football right now is a really good sign. It's a really good thing. Um, They are pretty pretty high up in all those categories uh, right now. But – Man, they got a long way to go, uh, as, as you said, in terms of the execution and learning and, and installing stuff. So it's going to be a major work in progress, and you're going to hear that for the next several months. And you'll hear that when you get into the fall, too. But I do think there's so much energy and kind of excitement. It sounds like the players have had really good practices to start, you know, um, doing a lot of things that the coaching staff tells them uh, to do. And they, they seem very encouraged by the results um, that they're seeing. But they're they're not going to lie to you. They they know that they've got a long way to go in order to build this program into what it needs to be, and to build this team into what it needs to be in year one under Hugh Freeze. So, um, I think I think the excitement and energy is is a great sign. And in spring, that's that's what you want first and foremost. You're going to have plenty of time to work on all the finer details and stuff like that. But um, you know, he seemed to be very very pleased with how the guys are attacking practices, um, and that that just needs to keep going on. Um, and you mentioned um, execution and stuff during during spring practices. It seems kind of the word is that the, sh- the quarterbacks are still kind of struggling um, with their accuracy and hitting their throws. Uh, it said that T.J. Finley um, has kind of had the best arm so far, but uh, nobody's really still stood out. So do you still see that Auburn might – um, really try to try to go hard and reach for a quarterback um, in the portal, or do you think maybe they stick with one of these guys and just kind of develop them uh, uh, with Hugh Freeze? Yeah, it's interesting because I think you know you're right in the fact that nobody's really kind of stood out. I think the the quarterbacks have been a mixed bag in terms of their accuracy, um, in terms of throwing the ball. Uh, you know, Hugh Freeze said the whole goal is going to be when they get to the end of spring practices, they want to look and say, hey. Do we feel confident enough in what we've got right now, or do we need to get into the portal? And so I think that's still going to be kind of to be determined. Uh, I would be surprised if Auburn didn't get somebody in the portal this this uh, this May, just because I think that that would just kind of be the best thing for this team and this program in order to get a quarterback um, and, and, it can, and keep up the competition, or get somebody who could be a day one starter. But um, yeah, I mean, I think. I think the big thing I've learned about the quarterbacks here the first you know, couple of weeks of spring ball is like if you're counting T.J. Finley completely out, don't, because I think Finley's had some good days and some good throws. Um, but, you know, it, we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of work to be done with those guys, and we all know, you know, what a guy like Robbie Ashford's capable of, especially with his legs. Um, so, you know, it, it's going to be a very, very interesting battle. I do think 
uh, it's it's kind of wait and see mode for for the whole group. Um, but you know, it's not like I, I think I think the only way Auburn doesn't get a quarterback in the portal or doesn't try to get one in the portal here in the here in May is if somebody blows them away. Um, you know, with the rest of spring practices and so far that hasn't happened yet. But there's still time for those guys to impress. A quick fun with fur question for you here. The Oscars were on Sunday. You're a big movie guy. And uh, everything, everywhere, all at once won just about everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, what did you make of the Oscars Sunday, and uh, were you happy that uh, everything, everywhere, all at once racked it up? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's that was probably the Oscar movie that I saw um, that I enjoyed the most this year. Um, there's a couple I didn't get to um, and that I'm hoping to. Like, I, I've heard so many good things about Tar uh, that I want to – get to that at some point um fantasies of inishirin was was fantastic i watched that a couple weeks ago um so you know love to see that one getting some love but yeah everything everywhere all at once is just i mean it was such a good movie i've watched it a few times now um which i don't really rewatch movies a ton especially like newer ones uh but it is just so good so creative so inventive so um i'm i'm happy that it kind of kind of swept the board i didn't watch um the oscars um you know i didn't i was working most of that day and then with selection Sunday, and then uh, you know caught the finale of The Last of Us uh, right at the end of the day. So didn't get to watch any Oscars, but got to see the results, and it's pretty pleased with what we got. Yeah, absolutely. I think six uh, Oscars for everything, every all at once. So and eleven nominations, something like that. So big night uh, for that movie, indeed. He's Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Justin, uh, the time's always greatly appreciated. What do you have going on with the Observer here over the next few weeks? Yeah, a whole, whole, whole lot of stuff going on right now. So today we had a story on kind of the rim battle between Auburn and Iowa. So if you want a deeper dive into some of the X's and O's and some of the numbers of this matchup, you can check that out. Uh, Painter and the guys had a new Friends of the Program episode that came up today for subscribers. Um, we previewed the game through our podcast. We've written about uh, you know the spring practice. We'll have another newsletter out here tomorrow uh, from Auburn about – you know, we talked to, talked to a bunch of guys today in the open locker room and, and got a lot of good stuff from them. So you want to check that out um, tomorrow as well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a pretty busy week for sure uh, between Auburn, um, you know, playing in the NCAA tournament against, um, you know, Iowa and, and spring football. And, you know, we'll be here as long as the Tigers are playing in the postseason and basketball. And then we switch it right back to football mode whenever we get back to Auburn. So, so a great time to sign up, um, and uh, we're giving away um, you know subscriptions for forty bucks um, for your first year. It's the cheapest price that we've given. So go to auburnobserver.com, sign up. We email everything to you, whether it's a newsletter or a podcast. And uh, yeah, you still got time to enter our bracket challenge, um, which we're also giving away some prizes for that as well. So sign up auburnobserver.com. All the links are there. Justin, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. I hope everything goes well for you in Birmingham, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. That is Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer here on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. We are out of time for this hour already. Had the breaks kind of stacked a little bit, so we need to take our end-of-hour break uh, coming up here in just a second. Uh, And when we come back, we will have, again, the Town Name Tuesday on a Wednesday 
as again, I, I, I understand the uh, optics of it. Or, well, this is not Tuesday, and it's called Town Name Tuesday. Well, that's also why Wacky Wednesday exists. And so uh, we'll kind of have a crossover between the two coming up. Uh, Brooks Childress will come into the studio here in just a moment and join us uh, for hour number three. Again, Town Name Tuesday and the crossover with Wacky Wednesday coming up. After this timeout, you're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620, WTRP, LaGrange. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620, WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call on this Wednesday. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with me here. And we now welcome in Brooks Childress for hour number three because it is time for Town Name Tuesday on this Wacky Wednesday. So I guess this is debuting as both for, uh, I don't want to say the new administration like I'm a, a government employee <laughs> or something, but uh, since I took over as host, it's the first time we're doing either one of these, uh, and we're kind of doing both at the same time. Uh, so we're about to play Town Name Tuesday. The states for... Uh, this town name Tuesday will be um, selected by based off the NCAA tournament. Uh, that was what I alluded to. And I was going to do the team uh, that Auburn played and the team or the state in which they're playing the game in. Well, we've done Alabama a lot, uh, notably. That's what kind of started this in the state of North Carolina because of JJ. And so uh, we are going to do the state of Iowa since that who's who Auburn is playing first versus the state of Texas. And that is what happen if Auburn's able to beat Iowa, they would play Houston out of Texas. So we will do uh, Iowa versus Texas today. And uh, Brooks has come in here because he is the one that has done the painful research painful. Uh, of, uh, of finding us 12 uh, 
town names that we will guess from. There's no guarantee of how many come from which state. And we're going to have a lot of fun. We'll be a couple of backstories, hopefully, on some of these that are that are worth mentioning. And uh, we're really excited to get this off the feet. So let's get going uh, with Town Name Tuesday. Brooks, what, did you find this pretty easy? Oh, were yeah. there a lot of names? Okay. Well, you see, the thing about it is we've done it so many times. We have done this segment so many times that I've got a go-to website uh-huh. that I can just type in. And I'm like, I, I just go to the same website. And I, it's it's got a it's a good database for a lot of these. Okay, and so I, I figured it'd be good because we definitely never done Iowa. Yeah. And then with Texas, it's a notably large state. Notably. And a lot of these towns are are these town names are towns, mm-hmm. so they don't require the big big cities. So if you just have a lot of land, you have the chance for a lot of cities. Yeah, and you know can't name everything the same. So. I'm yeah exactly and so anyway we ready we're gonna get to it I'm ready all right we're all gonna guess uh, and we'll kind of keep relative score here of who can guess if it's from Iowa or Texas here on this town name Tuesday slash wacky Wednesday all right everyone ready is everybody prepared I am ready I am also ready Tom you I was born ready of course (laughs) I'm I'm an old veteran of this we're gonna start out town name tuesday with the name of this town is nameless 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 n-a-m-e-l-e-s-s one word nameless i i'm gonna say iowa because there's a lot of namelessness and nothingness and yeah if you've ever been to iowa there's a lot of yeah nothingness and namelessness i'll I'll also go Iowa. iowa See, I was leaning Texas because for that same reason, I can say, yes, there's obviously a lot of people in Texas. Nameless Texas. But remember, it's a huge state. True, so true. de facto, there's going to be a lot of open area in Texas, yeah. too. Uh, we Brooks and I, we've been out to, to College Station, and I can tell you, East Texas, there's a there's nothingness there. Yeah, I mean, there right. the, we lost signal. We were trying to do a show in western Louisiana, <laughs> east Texas, from the road, and we were cutting in and out, and uh, it did not go well. And so uh, I'm simply saying that I'm going to be a contrarian, and I'm going to go Texas. All right, so we got two Iowas and a Texas. Yes. Nameless is located in the Lone Star State, yeah. Texas. Wow. Look at that. Wait, kind of nameless. Nameless Texas. Texas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hmm. 1869. A lot of these, and if you remember the trend from uh, the, the first series of renditions of Town Name Tuesday, a lot of these come into play when people are trying to name like a post where a post office is going to go. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of like, a uh, lot of uh, con- not confusion, but disagreement on what the place should be named. <laughs> so in 1869, residents of the community couldn't get a post office department to accept the names they suggested. After six attempts, one resident said, let the post office be nameless. And they took that very literally. And nameless is born. <laughs> nameless is an unincorporated community in the great state of Texas. All right. One off the board here. All yeah, right. It's uh, 21 miles northwest of downtown Austin. It's part of the Austin okay. Round Rock metropolitan That's not area. that far. Not that far at all. All right. What we got next? All right. Next, I hope you're hungry because we're going to Noodle. <laughs> noodle. Me and Cam were talking about food during the break, so this is uh, appropriate for that. Noodle. N O O D L E. Noodle. Spelling does matter. USA. Sometimes. Oh. I, I'm just gonna go Iowa, and I I don't really know why. 
I'm gonna double Iowa as well. I, I, I you know, noodle could be not could be, a noodle like you eat. It could, could be, be catfishing. catfishing with your yeah. hand, which would be something they would do in Texas. Not They're very, Iowa. very popular in Oklahoma uh, and Arkansas. Oh, I'm still saying Iowa though. I'll go Iowa. Hey, I'll go Iowa. I'll stick with it. All okay. three Iowas. Yeah. Noodle is located in Jones County, Texas. Oh, hey. Man. Already perfection off the board. Didn't last that long. <laughs> Named after Noodle Creek, which is a local term for nothing, according to history. Man, what? So it's really like nothing creek? Then? Yeah. It's a dry creek named for the local term for nothing, according yeah. Literally. Wow. wow. Okay. All right. All right. Well, Texas. I, I, yay noodle. All right. So yeah. see now. So no, this next one's got to be Iowa. You think? think. But I, I told Brooks. I said, at least give me four or so from both states. But if you want to go up to eight and four, you can. So it does not have to be even. He knows that. Yeah. So we'll see. So who knows where I'm going to go next? Maybe there's not a lot of crazy names in Iowa. Maybe not. It's just people. And you know what's appropriate? <laughs> Is we don't know where Brooks is going to go next, so the next town name is Uncertain. <laughs> U N C E R T A I N. Uncertain, one word. Uncertain. I'm uncertain of where I am. I'm, I'm going to go, go Iowa. Texas. Oh. oh Simultaneous. Uh, I'm going Iowa. Uh, I think that here's my reason. Although Texas, again, I can argue that there is a lot of um, a, lo- a lot of opportunity. Iowa, uncertain Texas. I think that once you're up in That's the Midwest, a good to see where it, what, what sounds better. Yeah. Once you're up up there in the Midwest, though, a lot of those states can blend together. Yeah. So I'm going to say they're uncertain of which state they're in, and I'm going to say it's Iowa. I'm going to say Iowa because if you've ever been to Iowa, you are uncertain on how in the hell you got to Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I even come? Why here? did I come? I was to shooting Iowa. for Chicago and I missed and ended up in Iowa. <laughs> hey, look, there's corn. <laughs> yeah, but again, that would be that be true for like three or four of those states. Am, so again, you're, am, not, you're it, uncertain it where be, you are. I am be, uncertain why there's so much damn corn here. <laughs> it could be, you know, you're in. It could be in Texas, and you know, you're walking, and you're uncertain if you're still in the state because it's so big. True. Think about it. All right, I'm so saying Iowa. You, Iowa, Texas. You said Texas. That's yeah. right. You said Iowa. I said Iowa. You said Iowa. I Tom. said Iowa. Uncertain is located in the beautiful woods. Dang it! Of East Texas. Oh, oh my yeah, god! Yeah, let's go. We we might have been through there then, or somewhere <laughs> close. Settlers couldn't determine which side of Caddo Lake they were standing on—the Texas side or the Louisiana side—when they settled here. I was kind. My reasoning was kind of right because I said, "I un, you're uncertain of yeah, which yeah, yeah. which vast state you're in," but it was they were on the border of Texas and Louisiana. Yeah. I was gonna be upset if I was zero and three, so I'm glad. Well, Tom is zero and three, so you talk <laughs> I, to him. I'm telling right you, now. man, I've, I've, every one I've gone Iowa and have missed. So. Man, okay, all right. So three straight Texas. Now you've get your the mind is swirling. Like surely not four in a row. Uh, you never know. I'm uncertain. <laughs> the, mind is, the mind is swirling. Let's bring it back down to earth with gravity. Oh my God. G R A V I T Y. Did you script this gravity. out? Like you just, no, hey, this is, yeah, say this these words. Gravity. T- gravity. You're giving me the, you're, gravity. You're giving me the ammo. Gravity. Gravity. No, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Iowa. See, I kinda sounds like Texas to me, but I now like, I just feel like it should go to Iowa by this time. I'm what gonna, do you think, I'm, Tom? Gonna, I'm gonna be the idiot and say it's in Texas because I've gotten all the others <laughs> wrong, so why not go ahead and switch it up and say Texas? See, cause now and now okay, you do the name thing. Gravity Iowa. 
Gravity, Texas. Yeah. Texas sounds better it to me. It does sound better. But, but I, that's why I'm I won't go allow Iowa. myself to. Th- yeah, sometimes it's the opposite and it doesn't make sense. So I'm going to Iowa. I don't. Iowa. The slogan on the town when you or on the, on the uh, sign when you drive into town it says "We're down to earth." Gravity. If gravity goes, we all go. Gravity, Iowa. There it is. Knew it. Does it have anything to do with Gravity Falls? Just a random thought. Uh, I wouldn't <laughs> think so, since it was founded in 1881. <laughs> It is a population of 154 in the last census in 2020. Uh, following construction of the railroad through the territory, that's when gravity got started in 1881. It was incorporated in 1883. The origin of the name gravity is obscure. Don't know when, wh- how they got the name gravity. Interesting. It just sounded cool or something? I guess so. But it's uh, in southern Iowa. Right? right uh, southern the, Iowa? Southern Iowa. One of the notable people from gravity... Bob King, head men's basketball coach at Indiana State University in the University of New Mexico. He was born in Gravity and attended Gravity High School. He coached Larry Bird at Indiana State University. Well, I'll the be. basketball the basketball court at the University of New Mexico is named Bob King Court. So there you go, Bob King of I, Gravity, Iowa. I'm just gonna go something stupid like, well, Iowa's pretty far north, so gravity depth in the country. I don't. All right, that's that's four in the books, right? That is four. All right, three Texans. I'm, I'm back Iowa. to 500 now. Yeah, Cam and I have two. Tom is. I'm still over. Still looking for his first hit in the big leagues. Yeah. All right. Well, Tom, maybe this will help. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good pun, but I don't know if I can. This will this will uh, this will help. Hopefully, this one will help you. I didn't have, don't have a good pun for it. Oatmeal. <laughs> Oatmeal. Where was noodle? Texas. Noodles, Noodles in Texas. Texas. Oatmeal. O a t m e a l. Oatmeal. Texas. I'm gonna say Iowa. Do we know all the ingredients in oatmeal? Can I be stupid for a second? <laughs> oats. Yeah, oats. Is there nothing else though? Uh, great question. The, the I just I don't want some sort of concentration of corn syrup or anything that they would made <laughs> in Iowa in oatmeal. I don't right, eat right, oatmeal, right. so I don't know what's ah, in it. Love oatmeal. We you mentioned oatmeal to me to the break too, and I don't know. Uh, Texas. Are you looking up the what what's in oatmeal? Somebody help. No. Uh, I was trying to find how to make how to make oatmeal. How about this? How how to make oatmeal? Uh, old-fashioned oats, milk, water, and a dash of salt. Okay. No. If you're just going plain, okay. obviously you could add like sweet Cinnamon. stuff. To All right, it. I'm oh. going Texas. That throws me off Iowa. I'm going Texas. Tom, where you I, I'm saying I, I'm, I'm going Iowa. Where do you Texas. go? Tim? Okay, two Texases and an Iowa. Oatmeal is an unincorporated community in Burnett County. Texas. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Uh, <laughs> it has a, uh, just has a, the rest of this one's about seeing if Tom could get one. <laughs> no, no, has a whopping population as of the 2000 census. This is the last time we have information on it. 20. Oh, no. 20 folks it might be there. gone. <laughs> yeah, right. A, I thought 150 town. something was low. 20 is like three families. <laughs> Maybe four. The, uh, the oatmeal's water tower is painted to Yo. resemble a box of oatmeal. Ugh. In 1978, the community of oatmeal in the nearby city of Bertram was uh, celebrating an annual oatmeal festival, originally a parody of chili cook-offs. So they did like an oatmeal cook-off <laughs> deal. Well, they uh, tried to lean into it. Yeah. 
and then it was first settled in the 1840s uh, next to Oatmeal Creek. Uh, the community's name is either an alliteration for Mr. Oatmeal, Oth- Othneal, O-T-H-N-E-I-L, the area's first gristmill owner, or supposed to uh, translation from the name Habermill, which means, uh, which is, Haber is a German word for oats. It, Tom, have you looked this up? Is it anywhere near any of the big cities in Texas or, or um, a sizable city? Uh, it looks like it's probably pretty close to Austin. Okay, again, getting kind of close to Austin. That's how one of the yeah. earlier ones were. It is uh, 56 miles northwest of Austin. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I was just saying, I mean, it's got to be kind of close to something big because you can't just have 20 people. You're not going to get the deliveries there. You're not. You're just not going to get. I mean, you're not going to get re- the resources you need. You, just, you see what I'm saying? So, that was my my thought there. All right. All right. That was five. I think right. Yes. Yeah. Five. Five of them. All right. Next, we've had this name before in different states. Yeah. Cool. Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, but he's going to get it right. We'll see. Eventually. We'll see if if we can get this one right. What cheer? W-H-A-T- oh no! I do remember this. C H E E R. What cheer? What cheer? What, what cheer? Cheer. I'm going Iowa. Spell it one more time. W H A T. What? Space. C H E E R. Okay. What cheer? Two words. What cheer? Texas. Ah. Uh, got a Texas and an Iowa. Good old watch cheer, Texas. That I'm does gonna sound go. like a watch here. You feel me? Oh. <laughs> what you got here? We've only done one Iowa, though. Oh, man. I'm going to go Iowa and regret it. All right, it's two Iowas and a Texas. What cheer is in Iowa? Oh, no. yes. Tom's, Tom's on the board. Tom's I went with Tom. It somehow paid off. <laughs> All right. Uh, County. Seems like a strange name for a town, but it was actually a common greeting back in the olden days. What you're doing? It's like today's what's up. It's what cheer. It, it was it was it was what now? It used to be It's like it, it, it describes it as like what you know, like we say, hey, what's up? It's like yeah. used Watch to say here. what cheer. Jeez. I'm glad we graduated to What's Up. Well, it says sources differ as why the name What Cheer and it's what is like W H O T Watt Cheer. Uh, the phrase "what cheer with you" is an ancient English greeting dating back to at least the 15th century. One theory of the name is that a Scottish miner exclaimed "what cheer" on discovering a coal seam near town. Discovering a what near town? Coal seam. Coal. Okay. Thought you said cold seam. I'm like coal. A rush of cold air coming from the earth. <laughs> um, okay. That house over there. <laughs> I. That's okay. I don't know why that was the greeting still, but okay. But you, I found Cole became the, hey, what's up? Yeah. For a little while. Okay. Cheer. What cheer? All right. We are halfway through. Halfway home. Let's go ahead uh, and let's take one commercial break so we don't just champ through an entire hour. <laughs> get, uh, you, get you to w- think a little bit. Without a break. Uh, and so let's go to break right now. And uh, we will continue Town Name Tuesday on this Wacky Wednesday. We're six in. We've got six more to go. Stay tuned. More of Town Name Tuesday on this Wacky Wednesday coming up after this.
Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Wednesday. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress, and Cam Berry as we are having fun on this Wednesday. A wacky Wednesday crossover with Town Name Tuesday again because of the NCAA tournament coming up. We're doing Town Name Tuesday between the state of Iowa, who obviously Auburn plays tomorrow, and the state of Texas, who could provide us with a round of 32 opponent in Houston if Auburn is able to. Uh, to get through Iowa. So, uh, and Houston's what, able to get through Northern Kentucky. How dare you? It's happened once. It has uh, happened once. 148 times. But it's happened Less than once. 1%. <laughs> I'm sorry. I said this. I said the exact same verbiage I'm about to. I'm sorry to the Norse of Northern Kentucky. They're not going to beat Houston on, uh, on Thursday. Um, if I don't, I won't show up on Friday to work. How's that sound? I win either way. <laughs> Seems pretty good to me. I made my own deals. All right, back to Town Name Tuesday. We're doing, again, Iowa versus Texas. We are six of the 12 into it, so let's get going again. I think the scoreboard, I think Tom finally got his first. Yeah, I finally got one. I think I've got four, and Cam's got three, you want to say? All right. I'm not keeping track, so you guys have to. All right. Uh, We can stop keeping track. Tom's on the board. We can keep keeping track. I guess we could have used our our whiteboard behind me. We could, but we're not that smart. So. All right, let's keep going. All right, next one. BB Town. BB Town. Yeah, one word. B-E-E-B-E-E-T-O-W-N. BB Town. They spelled that out. That feels Iowa. like Iowa. <clears throat> Iowa. I think I'm going to go with Iowa on that one as well. See, Tom it, likes Iowa. I, I, it, man, I'm telling you, apparently. If you're talking about the BB gun, maybe I'm more likely to say Texas. But the fact that they spelled that out. Yeah. Makes me think that they, they, they definitely got to be a, uh, an Iowa thing. BB Town, founded in 1880, is an unincorporated community in Harrison County, Iowa. Iowa. Yeah. There we go. All right. See, we used the spelling there. Good for us. Good for us. BB Town. Only thing that I could find on it is home to the Twisted Tail Restaurant. A diner who won the 2020 Iowa Cattleman Competition Burger Contest. Ooh. Oh, that's intriguing. You get some Iowa corn-fed beef right that's there. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's way over in Western Iowa. Okay, Western, Western. Iowa. Okay. Western Iowa. Was that is Nebraska beside Iowa? I think. So. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Sure. I can I can find you it on the map, but I. Corn. Off, off of straight memory. There's corn. That, yes, there is. A lot Both of, states. Lots of corn. All right. You ready for the next one? Yes. Two words. Crabtown. 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 Uh, I'm going Texas. That's That's got to be down on the Gulf Coast. The Gulf Coast of Texas. The, <laughs> surely uh, water around. All the, okay. Can I have a hint? All right. I, I, want, I want a very particular thing here. 
Do you know when it was incorporated? Because the more recent it was incorporated, look, everyone had access to, to seafood, even in landlocked states, even right. hundreds of years ago. But would they have let, would they have had enough access to be in a very rural part of the state 300 years ago, 200 years ago? You see what I'm saying? Right. Like you always would have had it around if you were around water, but you might that might have been something you didn't get uh, a luxury to as quickly if you're in a very unpopulated part of a landlocked state. That's all I'm saying. Do you know when it was incorporated? No? Created? Uh, 1800s. Texas. Yeah, I'm still going to Texas. Mid-1800s. There's nothing to, to deter me from Texas now. Tom, did you go Texas? I, I said Texas. Okay. Crabtown is located in Jackson County. Uh, Iowa. No, no way! No, you didn't. Iowa. Uh, what? And technically, if you want to get technical with it, doesn't exist anymore. Okay. Well, that well, doesn't count. Well, it is, it is a ghost town, and all that remains there is a bridge. A bridge to the next town over. But the town that does exist. Crabtown was a small settlement, which was named for the Crab family that lived there. Oh. It had a small population from the mid 1800s until around the turn of the century. It wasn't actually about the food crab. It's a, it's a population. Like, guys. Of- well, hey, so, hey, it tricked us with that, and it doesn't exist, so that doesn't count. Can you give it's us, still, like, on the, it's still around, kind of. Come on. <laughs> it we have some controversy here in half number two of town name. That, that, would, be, that would be like uh, a town name Tuesday with Alabama going, the bottle. It's like, well. It's still on the map. <laughs> it's still there. <laughs> What do you, uh, we'll just move on. All right. All right. All right. What right. we got next? Next, one word, no trees. N-O-T-R-E-E-S, <laughs> no trees. Well, I mean, that's Iowa. I mean, Texas, Texas. has Texas. big, huge areas, too. I'm going to stick with Texas. They, that's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to say these states are alike, but they do share some characteristics if you if you take out the big cities. I, I mean, it's not like going through... If you take out the big cities of a... Of a Southeastern state, you've got trees, or or into the Appalachian Mountain, Appalachian Mountains, you've got mountains. Yep. You know, if I'm not in a city, but out there, you're in very flat land. If you're, oh, I know, I'm just I'm going with Iowa because it's Iowa. What, what would be, it's very endearing to you. Go Hawkeyes. Picked, uh, picked Iowa to win against Auburn. What would be funny is if it is in Texas and it's very adjacent to the Woodlands, Texas. Uh, that so how did funny. you spell that again? Uh, it was all one. One word, N-O-T-R-E-E-S. No trees. So literally the word no and trees put together, but just in one word. I'm going to go Texas. I'm going to go Texas. Texas. And you said Texas. Texas. And you said Iowa. I said Iowa. No Trees is an unincorporated community in West Central Ector County, Ector Texas. Ector sounds like I- Okay, all right. Located on State Highway 302, about 20 miles northwest of Odessa. Yep. The area began to develop in the 1940s following the discovery of large oil fields. Local merchant... <laughs> the oil took out the trees. Little merchant <laughs> Charles E. Brown petitioned for a post office and selected the descriptive name of No Trees. Reportedly, the community had a single native tree before it was destroyed during the construction of a Shell Oil Company gas plant. Oh, good job, Shell. Ready to go. Good job, gas stations, <laughs> oil companies. Good job. Always <laughs> destroying parts of the Gulf Coast in various ways. That's right. But, uh, I mean, technically no trees is on the western side of Texas, though. 
Because so, okay. there's not many so, no trees. Flat desert go. land. Yeah. So kind of like you said. Yeah. I said no trees because of flatness in Iowa. It's a lot of corn. But yeah, West Texas is desert. So. All right. Is that number nine? We got three more. We have three more. Okay. Three more. And you know what? That, I, d- I don't remember what the got, score is, and I do not care. We've got time. three more, and that is cool. C O O L. Cool. Oh, uh, 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 Iowa's cool is colder than Texas. Surely, yeah, Iowa, gonna, right? Uh, cool Texas, cool Iowa. I'm gonna go Texas. I mean, maybe it's just that Texas sound. It sounds better with Texas because Texas just is a better sounding state. Cool Texas. You can make more things sound good there. That's I don't, fair. Uh, yeah, I'm still going Iowa. I'm still keeping the Iowa. Come on, Tom. You've done it like the last eight times. I mean, Keep I, going. I know. I mean, eventually, I'm going to be right, so i got to go with Iowa. All three Iowa? No, Texas. You, no, oh, I can't went with Texas. Texas. Um, cool. Iowa. Oh, Dang. wow. Yes. I mean, I, that was good reason, I, I, though. I mean, I figured with eventually the there was going to be so, one. Well, I appreciate that, Cam, and I do try and think about logically, but also these people that name these places are inherently <laughs> illogical because of what they named them. So <laughs> so it does not always work the way I want it to, but we stumble into them from time to time. This is one. Is it in the northern part of Iowa? Is it extra cool? This, this one place I, I could not find <laughs> no, a lot No, that's on. another I, town. I can't, yeah, I can't even find a Wikipedia on it. I, I just clicked on the map and zooming out. Are you See, sure it exists? It, it's, I mean, it's there. It is just south of Des Moines, so it's kind of like right in the middle of the state. All right. Or, well, on the southern middle of the southern state. Middle. Man, <laughs> so I really want to be north north in Iowa. Okay. Warren <clears throat> County, named after, oh, found, named after a settler, Hendricks Cool. All right. Okay. Okay. Again, see, see what I mean, Cam? Like, yes, yeah. I stumbled on the right reasoning, but again, not either. <laughs> yeah, at all for what to I thought. Do at all I thought it was just like five people. Like, it's really cold around here. What do we call this place we just found? Cool. Plant a flag and has cool on it. Yeah. All right. Two more. Two more. On this town Vulcan. named two. What? Excuse me. Vulcan. Uh, Birmingham, Vulcan. <laughs> Vulcan Park, Vulcan Statue, Alabama. <laughs> yeah, that that the uh, clearly Alabama. Um, I'm going Texas. I'm also I, going I don't go know Texas. why it just it feels it like sounds, it's Texas. It does a very sturdier. southern southern name? Vulcan, Vulcan, Vulcan Texas. Vulcan. I, I Vulcan see. Iowa just doesn't sound right. Oh, yeah, Vulcan. I'm going Texas. And tell me if it is in Texas, what big city it's near. Vulcan is located. There's no way it's in Iowa. In Keokuk County, Iowa. Iowa. As soon as you said Keokuk yeah. County. Also, uh, what's that county name? Should we do like, county right? name Tuesday? <laughs> what's that? Keokuk. What is. Oh, we already had another one from Keokuk. One of the first ones that we did was Vulcan. Vulcan, Iowa. Not, okay, a lot, that- not a lot on it. It's another one of these places where there's just not a lot there. But Oak and Iowa. Say okay, but how is that when when there is a town that had twenty entire people living there twenty years ago? Has more and we know what's going on there. Yeah. Bridge and everything. Yeah. And we've got this pl- these places and they're just like, I don't care to write about it. That is a great question. Just I just food answer. for thought there. All right. Can't answer. Twenty person town. The All right. treasurer was the sheriff too. You ready for the last one? Oh, he's the institution, I'm sure. There. <laughs> All right, what have we got, Brooks? Last one. Last one. We, uh, we've had noodle. We've had oatmeal. Yep. Now we're going to take you 
to the savory side of things, bacon. Bacon? Bacon. Bacon, Texas. Texas. Got to be Texas. I'm pretty sure I have seen someone be from Bacon, Texas. Uh, not necessarily a real person. Maybe it was a video game. Uh, that seems good enough for me. I mean, the Midwest can produce some bacon, too. But uh, I'm going to go Texas. Bacon was founded in the early 1900s in the great state of Texas. Of Texas. There it is. Knew it. Oh, we all went out a good one there. Yeah. Bacon, Dubs. Texas. From uh, This is from newschannel6now.com. <laughs> okay. K-A-U-Z. Shout out to the, the folks out there doing the good work. This was from 2021. <clears throat> Found in the early 1900s, the community of Bacon, Texas is nearly all but forgotten. That is until a recent ad campaign by a fast food chain has brought it back into the limelight. Church's Chicken's latest commercial back in 2021 centered around putting bacon back on the map. They've started a petition. There isn't much documentation about the community's history, but what's known about its past can be found in the Wichita County Historical Commission located inside the uh, Museum of North Texas History. Bacon used to be uh, Bacon Switch Road. It was a common place in Wichita County. At its peak in 18... In 1910, bacon was made up of a few farms, a general store, and a post office that lasted 14 months. Bacon got its name from the first Wichita Falls mayor, Otis T. Bacon. Uh, it's always people. Who believed, which is far less exciting. Yeah. Who was believed to have a home there. Family is called Bacon Home up until the 1900s. Nowadays, only Bacon Switch Road remains. So technically, Bacon, Texas doesn't exist. But Church's Chicken was trying to put it back on the map in 2021. I if don't know if they succeeded. That ca- Tom, that one has to count. If, if Church is, if you're doing an ad about it, that that one has to count. And if I, you're, I, you're, I know you're arguing the other one. That one's this one's got to count. You're named after a man named Otis T. Bacon. Like See, that just sounds like a like a uh, like a, a Hillshire Farms mascot. <laughs> my my thing is, I, I get it. Look, in our society, we honor people by naming. Streets, roads, towns, parks, buildings after people. That's not a shocking part of society, even dating back 1900s, 1800s. But it would have been way cooler if some people were just like, well, we don't know what to call it. Let's stew on this. And then they eat a meal of bacon. And they're like, well, this is just really damn good bacon. You know what? Call it bacon. It would have been cooler if that guy's first name was Chris and his middle initial was P. Chris P. Bacon. <laughs> kind of like I, that. That, re- me a second. that I reminded me of. Uh, we were talking. La- I think it was last year when Auburn went to Penn State. How their their stadium is Beaver Stadium, and it was named after the former governor of Pennsylvania, James A. Beaver. No. Oh, I get that one too. James A. Beaver, but it, it, his actual name is James A. Beaver. <laughs> and I'm just I'm not convinced that the that Pennsylvania wasn't at one time governed by a beaver. There you go. Yeah. Well, that is another edition of Town Name Tuesday, the states of Texas and Iowa Brooks. Um, that was a lot of fun. It's good to be doing this again. I don't know. We we certainly did Wacky Wednesday a lot uh, with JJ still here, but it had been a long time since we did a, a Town Name Tuesday. Oh, yeah. We'd have to go back in the, in the archives for that. Yeah. 
Um, it was definitely. Well, I mean, we definitely did it in Penn, in uh, when Auburn went to Penn State. So we did it in 2021. I don't remember if we ever did it last year. We didn't do it for football season. We may have done it yeah. in some of the the early parts of the year. Would but it had to have been summer. Because yeah. my plan is just full disclosure. I'm going to cook some stuff up over the summer, and I'm going to I'm going to start getting some Western states involved. Or oatmeal. Like we're going to get California involved because Auburn goes <laughs> to Cal later this year. I'm going to get some really some states that have a lot of the western states are great because they have have a lot of land and not a lot of people. So like if you go to like Idaho, Idaho's deceptively large land area. There's just not many people there. I just can't wait to confuse some people with like Cactusville. I guess which western state that is. Or is this New Mexico or Arizona? I don't know. Um, That's tough. We need need to do some uh, Idaho in in honor of uh, Brian Harson. <laughs> and honor of is a bit strong, Tom. <laughs> a little bit strong there, but uh, Brooks, potato place. Thank you very much for <laughs> yeah. uh, for uh, putting that together for us. In just a second, I'm going to have you read the uh, TV guide. I uh, do want to alert everybody again. Tomorrow's show um, is going to be a little shortened. We will get off air at five o'clock. Uh, that is when the Auburn Sports Network coverage of Auburn basketball at the NCAA tournament begins. Uh, and I want to again make I want to make this announcement. I don't know if I've done that. If you're looking for coverage on the radio or online or that sort of thing of Auburn men's basketball, your affiliate where you listen to radio is the only way that you can listen to that, unless you have uh, a subscription to Westwood One or, or some sort of affiliate of Westwood One as well. You cannot listen to it on our app on the Auburn Tigers app, any sort of streaming that's not Westwood One is not allowed to carry the NCAA tournament. So you have to listen. If you want to hear Andy, you want to hear Joe Champy, who will be with Andy, you have to listen to it on the affiliate in your area. And so for here, obviously, that is FM Talk 93.9. The coverage will start at 5. Again, that's why we will get off the air. But I want to, again, make that announcement. We will do this again tomorrow. You cannot stream it through an app or or online unless it's through Westwood One, uh, the official provider of audio for the NCAA tournament. So throwing that out there. So Thursday, we will end at 5. And then Friday, we will have a bit of a late start. Because of Auburn softball still working on the details of that, we could start as early as 3.15 or 3.30. It might be the 4 o'clock hour before we start. We'll let you know uh, through our social media on that. So this is probably the last full show of the week, but just giving you a look ahead of what's going on here with Sports Call. All right, just a minute or two left in the show today. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer, Brooks Childress. Yeah. The author of This Town Name Tuesday today. How about you be the author of our nightly TV guide again today? I would see it as an honor, Mr. Lovewey. We'll start things out in the movie world, as we do most often. And we're going back, back in time, not, well, I say back in time, kind of kind of back in time, kind of in present day, but also back to a staple of the nightly TV guide. That's right, folks. It's back. Jurassic World tonight, 615 on <laughs> Sci-Fi. If you are a... Making its record 300th appearance. That's right. If you're, a, uh, if you're a regular listener of the show, you'll know there's been runs where Jurassic World was on quite often on the nightly TV guide. So it's on tonight, 615 Sci-Fi. Sports action for you tonight, starting off at 6 o'clock on FS1. The World Baseball Classic continues. Pool D play, Puerto Rico versus Dominican Republic. Two big, big 
teams. Yeah. Like they just they're stacked teams <laughs> playing down in Miami tonight. And the nightcap, the U.S. team takes on Colombia in Pool C. Do you know the uh, sequence or the uh, standing there? Are, are they through with the win period? They, can if they, they lose? Uh, if they are if they win, they will improve to two and one, I think. And they three would and fin- one. They've already played three. three and right? one. They would yes. They would prove to they would prove to three and one. Uh, they I think they would be through. But to win the win the group in the pool, they would need Mexico to lose their next one because Mexico, if they win their next one, would also be three and one, gotcha. and would have the tiebreaker over the U.S. Gotcha. Uh, hockey action is also tonight on TNT. Uh, NBA action on ESPN all night. College basketball action on some of the ESPNs with the women's tournament getting underway. The NIT tournament still going on, and of course, the NCAA tournament rolls on tonight, eight o'clock on True TV. Nevada and Arizona State. The first game is already tipped off between FDU and Texas Southern, and that is looking at that TV guy brought to you by friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much, Brooks, and for uh, helping us out with Town Name Tuesday. Yes, sir. Thank you to Cam Berry for being on the show. We'll see you again on Friday. Glad to be here. And Tom, thank you for another week's sports call. We'll see you next week. Absolutely. Enjoyed we, it. We also appreciate Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us today as well, and all those that tuned in and called in. For Cam Berry, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Wednesday night, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>